Welcome back to yet another GAN episode of Life in Space. Today is a high energy episode with our special guest Hayes Anderson on the Modulator Bay show with Mr. Basic. Mr. Basic and I are going to interview Hayes Anderson and talk about all kinds of cool circuitry, uh, electronic synthesizers, drums, and much, much more. So on this episode, get ready and enjoy the excitement and the atmosphere that we're going to create today. Uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll give you information on how you can get a hold of Hayes Anderson and more information on Modulator Bay. So stay tuned, enjoy the two-hour packed show, and we'll go ahead and see you on the other side of this podcast. So thank you again for listening to Life in Space. Again, this is Modulator Bay with Mr. Basic, audio surgeon, and Hayes Anderson. Enjoy. Okay, this is Mr. Basic. Well, welcome to the Modulator Bay show with uh, Mr. Basic and audio surgeon, and this time around special guest Hayes Anderson is here. And uh, maybe we'll, sh- we'll be showing up on, on uh, more shows as well. As as uh, as he has time to or whatever, yeah. And um, so yeah, Hayes Hayes Anderson. I have I have uh, sort of known online for I would say about like three and a half years now. Uh, and you're one of the first people that I have ever um, uh, when I got into synths not too long ago, about four years ago. I I started watching Sonic State, and you're one of the first people ever that kind of like made me feel comfortable to. Um, to uh, uh, talk in this in this space of ours and kind of feel like it was more like a community and feel free to do so. Uh, and um, when, you're just basically one of the first names I can I can uh, I can think of from back when I I in, was introduced to synths and and to music production and electronic music and drum machines and all that stuff as as uh, as someone who could who can really you know who can really talk about things and that, and that we can, you know, we can have some discourse and, uh, with people who are passionate. There's people who are passionate out there and who also like to talk about these things. You know? <laughs> so cool. I didn't realize that. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Um, I just checked out, welcome. uh, yeah, your January's are great because not only, uh, is it, is it really nice, cool acid music? Um, but also it, I like your little tag taglines at the bottom. I think it's a good good speed for reading, and it's good little um, little uh, extra information on the pedals that you're using. I I, I think that's really cool. Thanks. <laughs> that's yeah. That was a crazy decision for me to start doing that for this particular January, and I guess now is a good time for me to go ahead and confess that you know I shot the videos for those already. Like I, but I did those jams uh-huh. like. One of them, was it like a Sunday? I did 11 jams on, on a Sunday, and then the next Monday I did nine more in a row. So, like, I just took off. And, the re- you know, the reason why I did that was because I, there's no way I'm going to be able to have the time to do January this year. And I feel like this might be everyone's hardest January to try to participate in. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. really, well, well, you know. Yeah, well, I think you did right. I think you did right because, me personally, I I thought I would do it. I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. But this t- time around, you know, I have, I have so many other things at the same time that I'm like, am I really going to have to feel bad 
for not doing you know now that it's come around I I don't have time for it and I'm like all right well I'm having to reevaluate do I really feel bad about not doing it but see now you know you've got uh, your jams going uh, now and I could have maybe done that over the break a little bit <laughs> done a few jams and that that would have been cool but uh, but it yeah life it is feel the same though right Right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going through some pain right now just for what it's worth because, like, editing these videos is – oh, I do not enjoy editing these videos. It's, it's, it is pulling more – I have to think more and pull more out of me than I do at, and then actually, actually making the music itself. The music, it's, uh -huh. just, it's easy, you know. I mean, it's selective choices and some practicing and a little bit of luck and, you know, a little bit of just saying, like, you know, okay, that's good enough. I'm going to move on. But then getting into the yeah. into actually editing of the videos, like I can at this point, the rate I'm doing is like two videos a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, editing is kind of a thing to do. Like it takes up a, most time is just editing and doing things with like you know uh, getting the right shot or you know putting something extra in there. It's it's always kind of a hard thing to do. In this case, it's getting make sure, making sure that the text is is correct, I guess, and also mm -hmm. you know like no errors and that it uh, sometimes like when you're doing the ticker, it goes by too fast. So uh -huh. I kind of have to slow things down, and then it's it's very interesting because I don't know what I'm going to say until I'm actually making the video, and I kind of had to like choose okay which one's going to go next. So a lot of that just sort of fell into place. So that I kind of felt like that is in the spirit of January. But what I want to say back going back before is the people that are participating right now, I just have to applaud them because they are really putting their hearts into it, and I just hope that everybody can like listen to as many of those jams as they can. Absolutely, yeah. See, sure. I've been I've been listening to to as many as I can at work. But it's just like, uh, <laughs> it's a yeah, lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot to ask of somebody. Um, but, but, but I think, it, uh, yeah, but I've been really enjoying myself anyway. And, and seeing some people that I saw last year too, that I haven't seen since, uh, necessarily because I've been watching other videos. And, and I've heard some really great stuff. I mean, I've heard some things that, you know, um, I'm usually kind of critical of like the Digitone or the Digitac, but I've heard a few jams where people have used them and like, they don't sound characteristic of the things that I normally hear that are kind of like, you know, there's just a few things like, you know, like my TB-03, for example, my Roland TB-03. Um, there was a while when I was using that and I was listening to other people's music and saying, oh, wait, no, that's oh, okay. Like thinking that that was my, like, so, like something that I did, realizing that like those synthesizers, they sound almost exactly the same everywhere you go. So, you know, it's just something that you kind of have to think about. Like when you hear mm -hmm. something like that and, and the, the, the solution is quick. You don't have to sell it. You just run some effects through it and, and suddenly it's just, it's great. So, I, I mean, I still use the TBO3 as much as I can because it's kind of like a unicorn fairy dust on top of other acid lines. That, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and it can still, you know, if you know the story, I don't mean to talk too much, but if you know the story of like how Roland did their, um, their uh, VA, what's it called again? Their, their VA synthesis, virtual analog, they uh -huh. kind of picked a model of each of those and they modeled that particular unit so uh, what was it is that uh, it's acb i think is what that's they call what it, it is thank you yeah it's uh, uh yeah analog circuit that's behavior that's right the the rolling system one right here yeah. and and it's a and it really does the job of making getting your sound like a like an analog partially due to the fact that there's enough power behind the machine there happens to be so much volume mm -hmm. in this that can be achieved just normally, uh, and so it's easy to boost enough to get to get the analog sound. Plus, the tone that has a little, the little tone knob to to make it warmer instantly as well, and that sort of thing. 
That's a synthesizer I've always wanted to check out because I've never gotten to really see the System 1 or the 5. I think it's the 5 is the next one, or is it the 10? Whatever. Uh, well, there isn't um, one after this, after the System 1, because it's the modern, the one that they made with the, with the green lights. Okay. So it's... But okay, but it's a par it's it's paraphonic par paraphonic, but really it's just a four voice. It's one voice over CV or it or over MIDI. It's a mono or four voice or four voice unison. And why would you have it in mono and not four voice uni unison at, at any point? But because you don't want like a maybe ep as an epic a sound, maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, if you're going to run it through external effects, you know, having yeah. that unison can actually weaken the signal depending yeah. on what you're throwing it into. But but that's the thing, actually, that you mention it, that's the thing that made the System 1 perfect for me as a beginner, just uh, starting out as the first thing I ever got, was the fact that it has the onboard effects that um, that go into oblivion, the delay and reverb, that are that really, but that you can really turn up as well, that go into sound design territory, you know? Oh, oh definitely, definitely. And on board. And... Yeah, and so since then, things that I've gotten like the monos, the Novation Mono Station, and the um, the Arturia Mini Brute, I still don't have an effects pedal. For, see, I haven't gone the pedal route like you have. I still don't have an effects pedal uh, for, you know, for regular DRS. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't have had an effects pedal for my for my sense except for in Eurorack. So. Okay, so so your Eurorack, you actually have like a sound effect bank in there, or I I have I I have effects modules. I have two clouds modules, okay, and that's that'll that does delay and reverb. And then I've got I just got the Z verb module Ooh. from Tip Top, and that does like all the classic uh, rack verbs from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And so uh, I've I've kind of got things covered, but in Eurorack format. I could sure. just put cables through, but I don't know how the levels will be. You know, stuff like yeah. Oh, I see. Well, um, just take it all the way down and just crank it up until you don't hear any noise, <laughs> and you'll be okay, really. And just don't. Okay. Move. Well, I guess I could just be could have been waiting for somebody to say that, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it seems. I, no, <laughs> yeah. I should I'm, just try it out. Uh, yeah. My mixer behind me over here. I'm always still a little paranoid about you know hitting it too hard with signals like am i actually going to burn out one of these preamps going into it and um maybe it is you know one of the um the the the, the cons of this behringer mixer but the preamps you know as i'm adjusting them they do crackle mm. and mm -hmm. i'm not you know like there was a time like a couple of years ago when i first got this where i may have been hitting them too hard i don't know you know i haven't really i still need to look into that actually but at that point it's kind of hard to understand you know what the limits really are, like what you can throw at something and um, to, to learn like how to measure and to know exactly what it is that you're trying to measure. Yeah, uh, I always kind of wondered that with my Model 24, I can actually crank, uh, crank up the uh, the gain on any of the channels and if it uh, goes into like a red zone, it's peaking and then it starts getting distorted. So it's like, uh, you know, it would be a shame for something to happen to it if I'm just pushing too much power into it. Or even like a pedal, sometimes a big sky, if I put too much sound into that, it, it does the same thing and it starts doing weird things. It actually has like a distortion like monitor on there. You can actually see when it turns red if you're putting too much power into it. And then, you know, you're just overpowering everything. It's kind of weird, but. my Excuse me. My indicator lights are only yellow. Oh, okay. I haven't checked to see if they, they go to red as well, which they probably don't. But uh, mm -hmm. 
I'm thinking that that's just like an indicator. And what the what the manual said was like to to turn it you know clockwise until you start to see the indicator light blink. Yeah, it's blinking a little bit. That's good. Yeah. So, but here's the problem. Um, what happens when you power things on and off, and you know the mm-hmm. the voltage pops that you're introducing into it and so forth, and is that causing any harm? So far, I think that mm-hmm. the the only issue with that is you know your headphones and your speakers. Yeah. Yeah, if you have like big PA system like hooked up to it, it'll give it a punch or something. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, like new mixers now actually have a thing that keeps that from happening. I know whenever I have my speakers on here, uh, back here turned on, if I turn on the power to my uh, mixer, it'll actually keep it from doing that. My old mixer just it popped every single time, so I had to make sure my my speakers were off before I actually turn my mixer on because yeah, you never know, it might destroy the the drivers or something in the speaker and that won't be good. Yeah, it will eventually damage them. And that's yeah. yeah. Speakers are one thing I've learned about, you know, what I've been studying so forth that speakers are always going to be expensive, the good ones. You know, you can you don't have to pay a lot of money for good speakers, but that's something that where you're you're like the money goes into the quality. At least it really should. Would you recommend people getting monitors or even just any kind of loudspeaker? I mean, it, it just from your personal experience? Uh, it depends on the room. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the, the room is, is the critical factor. And you could recommend speakers all day long and so forth. But if, if the room isn't properly treated, you know, then... It doesn't matter I, anyway. You know, like this room that I'm in right now, I mean, I could use speakers, but the headphones are better. Yeah, yeah. I typically just mostly use headphones. But uh, I know that, like, a pair of good monitors are just, like way like they're expensive man i mean really really expensive i got these pas back here for like 300 each and it seems to do the job nice if i just want to hear the punchiness in a song or just want to test it maybe if you do like maybe a live give well i don't do anything live necessarily but it's kind of nice if you maybe you do like live performances and stuff you can check them on these and then just see how it, how it performs or something but yeah monitors are expensive what i would use for live is i would use one of those roland casey keyboard amps stereo and I would just, just roll like that as an amplifier, and 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 they have um, XLR outs that will go to the um, to the to the main mixer to the main house if you mm-hmm. want, and and uh, the PA guy can run those stereo. And oh, that's got interesting. Your monitoring behind you, mm-hmm. and they're, yeah. they're about you know five six hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You could probably pick one up. Use the problem with those. Okay, I used to have. I can't remember if it was the KC five hundred or four hundred. It wasn't stereo, but it was a four channel, I believe. And I used it with my drum set for the electronic drums and the sampler. And the problem that I had with it after using it for many, many years was the tweeter eventually goes out. But mm-hmm. Roland sells replacement tweeters, and it's it's really easy to replace them. So I think that was maybe like 50, 60 bucks back in the 90s to replace it. Well, that seems okay. to be a thing about speakers is that is that you they have a life if you use them. If you have them on and you use them, they, they will wear out. Mine have... Uh, to some degree, I can tell the difference between the way they are now and the way they were from, uh, and I know that leaving them on, uh, you know, day overnight or day after day or whatever, is uh, shortens the life. <laughs> but I'm not an uh, expert. Well, if you if you leave them on and they're not being used, they should be fine. Because for the most part, they're they're passive until a signal passes through them. Theoretically. Oh yeah, yeah. Some, Theoretically, I think, so it's so it's the so the so it's the higher signals that that wear them out. Then, well, it's we and I'll, I want to talk about this actually because this is you know, 
this is part of my journey was at one point when I'm doing this, you know, I've got a, a, a big backstory into this, you know, like uh, real quick, a couple things, boom, boom. I, I got into this about the same time you did Mr. Basic and through Sonic State, ironically enough. And I'll maybe get to that after a while, but long before that, I was kind of into this going way back into the 90s. Um, and well, darn, I just forgot what I was going to talk about. You might want to speakers speakers. Yes. But I forgot <laughs> specifically what it was, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I, uh, well, I was talking I, about I, I like the, much. what would wear them out. Um, oh, yes, is the yes, higher thank signal. You very much. Thank you very much. So with the speaker, what you're thinking about is you're just got like this, this coil that's moving back and forth. And of course you've also got the, let me go this way now, how the actual, um, diaphragm or whatnot is c like glued around the ring. Uh -huh. you know, that's of course is another point of um, what do you call it? Right. Yeah, I've uh, got so uh, much, so many, so many thoughts going through my head it, right now. It's uh, sorry. <laughs> another another it, point yeah. of failure. Right. So yeah, like depending on how hard you're pushing it, you know, you could mm -hmm. warp it a little bit there, damage it there. The coil could burn out. Right. So any mm -hmm. one of the materials from vi from the vibration from the actual movement of it, mechanical type kind of thing, exactly. And of course, it's always possible. You know, this this probably has never happened, but you know, like it is possible for lightning to hit something like that electronic and you know do very bad sure. damage to it that way. <laughs> that would be that would be like a one in a million, though. Would would a surge protector help that? I mean, uh, if something were to happen, because I everything I have is like going through like a big Mondo like live wire power protector or something. So you know, I want to tell you a story, and I just don't think people are going to believe this. But, you know, one day I was, this was 1982, I want to say, and I was at a friend's house. And we were in, in his, you know, his parents' house, you know, we were, you know, kids, watching TV, and lightning struck and went through the top of the house and hit that TV set. Mm -hmm. And it did blow <laughs> the tube up, but, like, there was an explosion inside oh my gosh. the TV set. Wow. I've never seen anything like that ever, you know, again, ever. And, you That's know, you, pretty looking crazy. back, you know, we're... Um, they, we probably weren't using three-prong outlets back then. They mm -hmm. probably weren't. That, that pro house probably had all two-prong outlets everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so these days, I mean, you know, the chances of, like, lightning coming through your system, like your house like that, I mean, I, I mean, you know, knock on wood big time, you know, but, I mean, I sure. use surge protectors everywhere. Yeah. Uh -huh. I have, like, you know, every um, kind of stage that I'm going through, I've got, like, so many surge protectors back here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so far, no, no problems. And I've got also set up where, if, where there's a, you know, I'm in Tennessee and we have really bad thunderstorms in the spring. And oh, summer. yeah. I, I go through Tennessee all the time, so I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's, yeah. And um, it keeps it green here, though. But yeah. I've got one, one plug that I can just plug out and everything is just disconnected at that That's point. Good. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's a good safety feature. Um, I, I just want to say, I just, I want to, Shout out! We got uh, some of the guys, other people from uh, from last time here, and and some some new people here too in the chat. We got inverted popes. We got glory to glory to glory, and Benjamin Ezo and inverted popes and Mike Hydropneumatic is here. Um, but we also yeah, SH one T, you know, okay. uh, is. Glad, glad to have you like here as well. Yeah. <laughs> and also Wambra, nice to see you here. Uh, Wambra, um, I met uh, as like the only other um, watcher of a YouTube stream 
that I got to watching that got me inspired to do to stream, and that was Dan Kushner's uh, uh, one of Dan Kushner's um, jamming streams, and and I, w- I w- every once in a while, you know, it would it would happen regularly, and Wombro was the other one that would watch from YouTube, and everyone else was watching from Twitch, and so I was just like the one chatter, ex- even though there were a lot of people there, <laughs> but mm. um, but they you know they have this restream thing where you can re post the chat from other platforms onto Ooh, the chat from of this platform. Uh, wow. I don't know how he does it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but that it was, was cool. And so Wombra, uh, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've seen in many other chats and in uh, Twitch where I hang out, I hang out with a lot of, in a lot of other go, go to watch other people playing, uh, on their hardware, just like we do only on Twitch and they're streaming it, streaming it and they go from person to person raiding each other is what they call it. Yeah. You know, um, so that you don't even have to, you know, it's kind of like a YouTube rec- recommending only it's the streamer that's playing right now recommends the ne- <laughs> that you watch the next one and just puts everybody up. <laughs> and then everybody just shows up all once. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, uh, so I see Wombra regularly there on Twitch and I just happened to see Hayes there uh, from a different connection, and what and and came uh, and found out you were you were streaming on Twitch and, and watched one of your streams where you did uh, electronics related stuff, which I haven't del- delved into yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah do you, more do you, back into that. Go ahead. Sorry. Do Do you guys see a bigger future in Twitch or something? Because I don't know, YouTube's getting kind of weird. Not only that, like it seems like the ads that you you're getting on just every video is like crazy. Well, Twitch has ads too. There's it, it has its share of ads. Um, I get around ads. You didn't hear that from me though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's just like every video you watch though it's insane though i mean you watch one video for like three minutes and they throw like two three ads on there now or even longer one is just completely filled with them it's just seems like they cranked it up a lot uh-huh. um they did i think youtube did as well a bit but um well I'm, i don't know how to say that though it's 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 you know a tricky territory here it's like it's really not hard to you know block ads if you know what you're doing mm-hmm and uh, but the thing is, though, is that these particular services they have to keep up with the changes, they have to roll with the punches, so to speak. So you may have a couple days where the ads get through, and that may be you know like. But this last time it was like two weeks, and I was starting to get a little worried. Mm-hmm. But have faith. It's like what I tell people is that the, this is the funny thing about the digital realm, is that you know you can lock things down, right? But it's like but the act of like in the digital realm because you locked it down, you actually also created a key. It's hard. It's hard to explain, but you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I feel really feel for for cyber um, uh, security because it's like, oh man, yeah, it's a job. Mm-hmm. It's a never-ending job. Sure. And yeah. That, so I, I don't, that's not that's not what I do. I just do like you know, back-end development, and and let the let the experts handle the security side of things. Sure. <laughs> totally. I don't even want to think about that stuff. But yeah. 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 I'm you have saying, to. Though. <laughs> yeah, you have to so, to some extent. But I mean, what what I mean by that is, it's you know, if we don't want ads, you know, eventually they're going to have to realize that you know, find it find another way to monetize, please. Mm-hmm. Seriously, uh-huh. and I don't want people to like not you know, get their their worth of what they do. There's a lot of people. That, I mean, already just you know the amount of work that I put into into my January videos, 
And that's just like a tiny, tiny amount of the, the effort that, that people who have monetized channels put into their videos. So, Yeah. Well, and either that or the music industry side to where you could actually like have, you know, more streaming platforms and have that be more democratized that, that suit people who like actually maybe not the, the traditional pop top 40 music that, or whatever. And I think that's what I like about the Twitch model is why the Twitch model perhaps is working is because you can just pay that person five bucks and, you know, to subscribe to them each month. And then when enough of that happens, you know, you, you get a pretty good revenue stream coming in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a good possibility, but I, I'm keep, I'm, I'm keeping the attitude right now that Twitch is good for certain things and YouTube mm -hmm. is good for certain things. And Absolutely. I'm keeping my cards in both, um, for different purposes different you know videos videos on youtube streams streams and that's on that's the smart thing to do i think form. as long as you have like something in each side like it's a youtube video and you want to do a twitch plus this is being broadcasted both to youtube and twitch correct yeah yeah this so is i it didn't work cool. last time i didn't do it right but i think i think i got it on there this time and it's probably going to say it's a minecraft video <laughs> Yeah. But that's okay, because I, I switched Honestly, my Twitch over to a Minecraft channel, technically, but with only, with, it's going to have, haven't started posting on there yet, but it's going to have uh, me streaming Minecraft with, with modular uh, ambient sound in, of my own in the back. So, so it, it's going to be modular ambient sound for anyone who wants to just have background music, but then I'll also be playing Minecraft, you know, because oh, awesome. I'm into that. Mm -hmm. That's cool, but, man. I it's it's nice to mix both platforms if you have like a source of entertainment like Minecraft and then you have music on top of it. I think it'll bring in a nice audience. So diversifying in this particular case, mm -hmm. I think is a good idea with a couple different channels like that. Yeah, and then, I saw another person on Twitch doing an electronic uh, an electronics video like uh, like you've done. Actually, they were putting together a the. Uh, the PCB of a Platts module. Okay, there's or braids. a lot. There's a lot of electronic stuff out there that I've discovered. And that is what has helped me through this journey. And one thing I do want to say is that I didn't. I just now realized this. But talking about Minecraft, it, Minecraft actually played a large port in, in part in wanting me to get into electronics again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, because I would see like the um, the redstone and, and the things you could do with that. Of course, when I saw somebody put together a working hard drive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really does encourage that's programming. I, I haven't wanted to go there yet, but that's just because yeah. I, you know, I only want to expend so much mental energy into it yet. But I, I, as I go, because there's so much to learn already. Yeah, I'm just you, starting you know, out. Oh, out there. Like, you mean just in general to learn? Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, uh, in Minecraft. Oh, yeah, with that, too. <laughs> um, yeah. to, to, to get into the redstone and programming aspect of it. And, but, yeah, but, but it does, and it encourages, and it also ends up then encouraging kids to start programming sure. because it's a really easy way to learn and with possibly music. Music Yeah, notes. yeah. Yeah, you can make like musical instruments in it too. I know that they uh, did like something on the Magpie server. They actually did like a, a piano, like a working piano. And so they took the redstone and they made each note on there. And so every key that somebody jumped on, they would like play a note. And then they like, you could do like a song or something. It was too funny. 
That's good, like oh. the movie Big with Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> or like you can push it, like your character can actually push like a button. So like every time you right click, he'll he'll like actually push a button on the piano. It's just, it's neat. The only thing it lacks is kind of like the animation, but it's like you can see everything happening, like the redstone lights up and everything. And there's like a window, you can see the insides. It's almost like they built a computer inside of it. And it's just, I don't know, it's mind blowing what you can do with that. Um, I don't want to delve into this too much, but this cyberpunk, the new cyberpunk game, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a friend of mine is playing it, and he showed me the dev room at the end of the game. There's a secret dev room where you see like the, the developers and so forth. And if you know, Keanu Reeves plays a character in the game. <laughs> yeah. And this character, like I guess his, his legend is that he was a guitar player. So I, seriously, they they added Bill. I can't remember if it's Bill or Ted, but they also threw Bill into this. <laughs> really? You know, overall meta image of Keanu Reeves. You know, it's hilarious. <laughs> and That's too he's funny. He's sitting on the couch and he's playing guitar with uh, with the cyber hand, with the like robotic prosthetic hand. Uh, my friend's girlfriend said that, like, you know, if you watch very carefully, he's actually playing what you're hearing. Oh, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like, they, they could, you know, like, it's, you know, about MAME and emulation and so forth with mm-hmm. ROMs. I mean, they, who's to stop them from using some, some of the ideas from Guitar Hero? And just like a MIDI file, feed that through an animate, an animated, 3D animated character, and it just automatically plays whatever you want it to. That right. would be crazy. And they that's that's related that. to... Yeah, uh, to my daughter's favorite videos right now, Bongo Cat. Bongo Cat? It's the same thing, yes. only you have Bongo Cat playing whatever instruments of the, oh. covering the song. A very simple version, three instrument version or whatever, covering pop music songs. That's genius. <laughs> cool. Oh, you, you gotta do cute, a jam with that. If, cute uh, animation. If, if there's yeah. no copyright issues. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and then there's the um, the the new uh, Google what is it uh, Blob Orchestra thing? Ooh, what's that? The, the Microsoft Blob Orchestra. Does anybody know? Ah, shoot, I should maybe um, find out the link to that and go ahead and post it on in the description later. Since I mentioned it, we're gonna we're gonna be seeing a lot of interface like like wild interfaces into synthesis, essentially, mm-hmm. and it will be interesting. That's for sure. And, you know, and AI and machine learning and, and making music and all that. Well, that terrifies me, actually. <laughs> AI, yeah. And yeah, there's I, some... I, like, like a, I, don't know, I don't know why, we'd, why we would want to even do that in the first place, to tell you the truth. Um, what yeah. about in mastering? In mastering plugin? That well, does that? okay. That's, that's, that's a funny story that you mentioned that. And uh, I'm not a big fan of mastering in the first place. <laughs> I'm not... I, I'm just, just a personal thing. I don't... You, you know, everybody go do whatever you want to do and so forth. But uh, I would like to tell, like, an interesting story just real quick. I don't want to take too much time on this, but yeah, one ahead. of the rock bands I used to play in, and uh, this was in, like, 2002 or 2003, I believe. And we came close to getting signed, actually. It was very interesting. Uh, but we uh, we did a demo, and we took it to a mastering house. It was the first time that I've ever done that. And, you know... That was a very, very, I don't even know that that stuff even exists anymore. It has to. But this is in, in Nashville, Tennessee, you know, Music Row. Mm-hmm. And so this was one of the, you know, like, a really good mastering place. And I can't remember how much we paid to master four tracks. And Pricey? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, the thing is, you want to talk about gear. You want to talk about analog gear. Mm-hmm. From the ground up to here, you know, racks of this 50s, 1950s, you know, that cream green color with the big knobs and the VU meters and all that stuff and, you know, huge knobs and just 
That's the kind of equipment they were running this through. And, I mean, they looked at us and they were just kind of like, well, I mean, they didn't say it, but, you know, like, you know, you didn't get the best engineer. <laughs> and, you know, we can't, I mean, you can only do so much. So what I tell people is, like, you know, if you're looking for mastering, it's like you're putting the cart in front of the horse. You need to first work on your mix and really understand what your mix is. Now, hey, if you've got a nice mastering plug-in, you probably do want to run it on your mix before you upload it online. That's just a no-brainer. Because, I mean, the okay, let me ask you guys a question. What is the point of mastering in the first place? Um, I don't want to put you on the it, spot. but The only know. thing I can think of, well, for me, I mean, any of the music that I do, like I just make sure the volumes are good so that way it's not too low or too high. Uh, a lot of times I just use like a... Uh, Maybe even just a limiter, and then I see if the compression's right. If I if everything is good on my end, and I can hear it, and it sounds good. I really don't even have a need to do that. But like on SoundCloud, they actually have a paid service. You can send them your track, and then they'll master it. But it's it kind of it seems pointless, though. I mean, what's the point of paying them something you've already paid for to upload, and then you, you're going to pay somebody to master it? But I mean, I would think that. If your ears are good and you can hear it and it sounds good, I think that that's just the way it was supposed to be, you know? I mean, Mr. B. Yeah, I think it was called Blob Opera, Wambra. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, and I think Wambra also said, uh, or somebody, I think that, yeah, said that he he really likes your trance, uh, Hayes. Oh, thank you. Been appreciating it. Mm -hmm. Um, Anki's also here. Hello. Um, but like mastering, like, you know, and, and don't quote me on this, of course, I'm not trying to be the authoritative answer on this or anything, but it, it still makes sense to this day, but it really made a lot of sense when you wanted to play your music on the radio. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. now the radio, I guess, would be Spotify and YouTube and you just want to, you know, um, exactly. See, I, I don't know how people listen to music anymore. I mean, I know how I listen to music, but I don't know how people listen to music, you know, well, if you go, think about it. Like most people are just listening with their headphones or on their actual phones, so so I suppose I mean, they ride the volume, or probably they not ride the volume. Uh, yeah, ninety percent uh, is bad headphones where you wouldn't be able to hear the bass necessarily unless you do that. Exactly. Unless you bring all like you know frequencies from the instruments up into where every, any kind of headphone could hear that, but not too much, right? So. Um, so basically, uh, oh, to answer your question, like I, I spent the whole last couple days just getting into thanks to um, Audio Surgeon actually, but um, <laughs> uh, I've been getting into not only Cubase, uh, just researching how to do it all, and I haven't even opened up a project yet. That's just what I do. I spend hours and hours watching everybody else's videos to, uh, before I actually do a thing. It's it's horrible, especially with synths, but. <laughs> <laughs> if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm a researcher, but not so much a doer, and it's harder for me to do. But but also not just Cubase, but WaveLab, and okay. WaveLab's been around forever. It was the first thing of spectral analysis sort of thing, uh, you know, audio audio editing thing to to be put on CD. <laughs> Back in the day when nothing was put on CD yet, um, uh, but uh, anyway, the, apart from the history of it, it's it's actually still a lot like it was before. But the main thing it has is it has the spectral thing. It has all it has your luff meters, and then it has um, all of your uh, your other metering. There's a lot of different metering 
that you can see all at once sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the LUFs, yeah, see, that's the thing. is There, is no, there was no purpose for mastering until these, these platforms um, got to doing everything so specifically and then in, incorporating the LUFs. Um, which yeah, what is, is the, um, what does LUF mean? Which is basically your loudness okay. uh, over the entire thing, your your relative loudness of every of everything in your thing over the entire track. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, basically, it started out in broadcast in TV broadcasting. They imposed this thing, and then everybody had to make sure that the commercials were yeah. weren't above a certain loudness because they always mm-hmm. wanted to be to get you more and more, you know, over the show. And then so mm-hmm. it normalized the commercials to the show and then broadcasters were able to do that. And so the platforms, music platforms like YouTube and Spotify are all doing the same thing, but they each have their own little setting like Spotify, it's it's negative 14 dB um, LUFs. But LUFs are different than just dB because say, yeah. of that complexity. It's It's about your relative not ever getting louder than you started out at. Yeah, uh, that much louder than you started out. Decibels require at. a reference point. So when yeah. you say dB, you have to re- refer to like what kind of a reference signal are we referring to? And the new one now is this LU. Oh, I forgot what it was again. LUF. Like LUFs. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have to look that up. Um, Loudness so, something. Yeah, I've heard uh, of it. I just I, I, yeah, I know I what you're talking the, about though. I think what it is, it's basically it's 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 working within the scale of of the digital realm in the sense that. You know, when you hit the ceiling of, of headroom, there is no more. There's no more bits, literally. Yeah. So you know that that is a different way of of measuring um, amplitude. We'll say. Mm-hmm. Then. Yeah. So I personally addition. haven't uh, added. The, I I just came out with a single uh, that I put oh, free on ba- Bandcamp, but I didn't master it. It I know has issues because it's just all my equipment here having been mixed for the performance right then live and so i know i could get it a lot better uh and i don't know if just a the regular daw could do that as what a, a regular daw and not have to have something like ozone elements or wave lab or something like that um although ozone elements does come with the, the core q64 whenever it's coming out mm-hmm. and i've already got my hands on order on that but i mean as long as you're just recording it and you know your levels are good like yeah i don't i don't know to me it just does doesn't matter as much not only that i mean if you're doing something just as like you know for fun or if you're just doing something that you just want to upload and people to share and stuff i don't know if it's really necessary to have mastering on that but uh some people i don't know they maybe they can hear something specific that most people can't i don't know well i I, I just turn it up you know, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all it is. Like I said, if if I'm doing a song, I'll just uh, make sure that I'm not peaking too hard on my uh, on my meter, but I'll, I'll limit that to a specific point. So I don't want something just blasting me in, in you know one ear or something like that, just super loud. So I'll I'll cut the the limiter at a certain point, and then if I need to gain it, I can gain it, and then some of the volumes will go up a little bit higher, the lower ones, or just even mixing in everything too. Just make sure that if your drums are a little too low, you could you could put them up a little more, or your 
your leads or your bass or whatever. Just mix them in nice. I mean, that's just what I do. That is a great microphone, by the way. It's, this one, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's a nice one. Uh, I got I also got an NT one. Uh, con- it's a condenser microphone, uh, but this one uh, is a dynamic. It's an RE three hundred and twenty. It's it's served me pretty well so far. I do mostly podcasting with this one. So far, I haven't really messed around with the NT one so much. But uh, this thing is just a joy to use. I mean, it sounds nice. I, actually, to be uh, uh, honest, I'm running FL Studios as my DAW right now, and I'm running all this through FL Studios and then out to you guys so i finally actually am working within my daw in order to process all my sound and you know i mean i can just go right into some reverb here or you know add some delay or anything like that without having to use in any kind of hardware such as like you know a big sky reverb pedal or something else going out into something and then come back in the mixer i can just do it all in my studio now which took me forever to figure out i want to do yeah so, I, yeah, yeah well, I haven't like got that, there yet. <laughs> I mean, um, that's amazing that you did all of that, actually. Yeah, it's, it's it's a headache, to be honest. You have to figure out what's happening, you know, as where your audio is going, uh, where where you're sending it. And then you also have to have a monitor feed, too. So, for instance, um, right now I'm monitoring the PC audio, which is coming in through 19 and 20. And then all my feed going out to you guys is going to 1 and 2. And then 1 and 2 is getting subbed out to you guys. But if you're in the like a DAW and you're monitoring your DAW, you want to make sure that you're not getting that feedback. So you have to mute the channels within your DAW. Otherwise, you're going to get double and triple and all that stuff. And it's really annoying. <laughs> That's the first thing that tripped me up when working in DAW, in Ableton. It was my first DAW that I was working on. Like, just the monitoring and not monitoring thing. And I had a good amount of latency, too, going on. And it, they should make it just a little bit different to where like, okay, let's say you don't want to monitor something. You just want to have the sound going through and then just record that. Like, for instance, if I just want to record our conversation, I couldn't do that because my monitor channel in, in FL Studios is being muted. So I won't get any audio coming back from you guys. I could record my stuff. But uh, so like it'd be nice if I can record something while it's being muted. If that makes any sense. I don't know. No, it, it yeah. does make. Uh, have you... Well, I, I, I never mind. You don't use Mac. You use PC, I believe. Yeah. Uh, there's something mm-hmm. called Soundflower for Mac. Sound- I'm sure PC oh. has something, but you can theoretically, once again, like reroute different audio signals within the PC. There's, I think there's one called else. Voice Meter Banana. That's another one too, right? That's a great name. Yeah, there's one that it's supposed to do the same thing you're talking about. So if I want to route something, I could potentially do it. I I tried it one time and I couldn't quite figure out that program, but it was kind of out of my league. But uh, either they make them too simple or too complicated. And I I like something in the middle where I can actually understand what's happening. Uh, Like, for instance, if you're just going out through Skype or something like that, you're trying to set up a conversation with someone, you want to do a live stream or something, it's, it's, they make it way more difficult than it has to be. But uh, then again, you do have to think about what you're doing because like uh, you might send feed out to someone and then it comes back and then your, your audio is not sounding proper. But, but all these things, uh, once you get the hang of it and you understand what's happening, it's just, it's really cool to figure it out though. I mean, you kind of feel like you accomplish a new thing that you can use further, you know, in your own uh, musical realm. And, you know, it's just, it's really cool, I, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, Hey, word up, Mike, or I mean, Marshall. Marshall's here. 
Hey, everybody. Marshall Arnold in the house. So uh, I saw your jam, Hayes. Uh, you were doing something with a pocket operator. Uh, it's like a little PO operator thing, and it was like a drum. You're doing some something with drums on there, but that, that thing sounds so big. It's like it's amazing, just that little it? tiny device. Hang on. Sure. This little guy. Yeah, man, the, the sound that thing makes, is in, it's, it's incredible. It, it really is. Um, it, it has an overdrive that pushes it like almost into clipping, which is ridiculous. And then if you can kind yeah. of tame that down, <laughs> you can make that even, even huger, you know, with other effects. Yeah, like it, those, those drums were just like so cool. You were doing something with that, that um, I don't know, Roland product. Is it TS something? I forget what it was. No, it's a Behringer clone. <laughs> oh, it's a Behringer clone? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's the dirty uh, Behringer clone. Okay, yeah, that, that thing in that pocket operator, it's like you literally have like an entire studio just with those two things, and you can just jam out to that, man. Those, Like I said, those drums are really cool. Thanks. Yeah, I, I am, have been enjoying those jams immensely, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. um, it's um, what I'm on right now. I'm, I'm editing number 20 right now. So, like, what is today, number nine? Yeah, just, just let, me, let me real quick. We got some new people showing up. Just confession. I recorded my Januaries in December. I did, it, <laughs> I did it, like, in between Christmas and New Year's because I don't have time this month, and this is a, this is a crazy time anyways. And yeah, I yeah. want to reiterate, everybody that's doing January this, this month is just, like, you know, I'm giving, like, a big round of applause to them because it's a difficult time to be doing it, and there's a lot of hard people out, the hard work that people are out there, they're putting their heart and soul into right now. And, uh, but yeah, these, um, they, they, I, like, I have an intention that things are going to be good when I, when I do something, when I sit down to do something. And, you know, the other thing I want to say is that those are all randomly generated pattern patterns mm -hmm. that I'm using. I didn't, you know, seriously. I, and, and that's kind of what I do is I'll wait until I hear something. And then it's also a matter of trying to understand, like, where, where do you want to put the one? Where do you want to establish where this, this rhythm actually starts? And right. so um, I would either, like, okay, I'm actually using um, three different pocket operators. I can't grab the other ones right yet, but I'm using the PO12, which is, like, the rhythm, which is just, like, a, a drum machine. Mm -hmm. And it is a, I, I want to say it's a polyphonic drum machine, meaning that the hi-hat will stack over the rest of the drums. You can pretty much play all the drums it gets to a point to where there is voice stealing. I haven't figured out what that is, but there's 16 different notes, and it's polyphonic in the sense that, you know, you can just have uh, the hi-hat play anywhere you want to. Yeah, full drum kit. Right. The PO35 is a speech synthesis pocket operator, but it has the tonic, drum, it has a subset of the tonic PO32 drum set within it. Now, one thing about all the pocket operators, they have a little micro drum set. Each one has a little micro drum set of some kind. And uh, the PO35, however, is completely mono. Now, there's, there's a style of drumming called linear drumming, where, just like what you say, you don't stack any drums at all, nothing. Right. Everything is, you know, one hit. Bass drum or your hi-hat with the foot, whatever. So when I use the PO35, I use linear drumming. No, there is, there's a catch, though. Uh, so, so, like, so some of the drums on, you go this way, wrong way, I'm backwards. Some of the drums, like on the, I'm, pretend this is the PO35, you'll have a bass drum, a snare, but then you've got these two weird hi-hats and a weird clap down here, where as you morph through it, it will change from the clap to a clap with a bass drum, or it'll mm -hmm. change from a hi-hat to a hi-hat with a bass drum. 
You see, so it's, it's you can stack the bass drum or snare or clap that mm -hmm. way. But it's, that's very cumbersome. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but it, <laughs> it, it, it lends itself to interesting things, though. Like as a drummer, like those are limitations that, you know, okay, I can't do this, but I can do this. And, this, and the, the beats, you know, they, they come out in very, very interesting ways. I got to give a sure. quick plug. Yeah. This is one of the, this is uh, Ryan Bloom. He uh, wrote this live drum and bass book, and this is where I got some of my drum and bass patterns from. And he's also got like the Amen breakbeat totally transcribed in this. And <laughs> so, like, you know, I've memorized that, you know, played it behind the drum set. It's a really, really cool beat to learn because it's so deceptively simple. Well, right. But I mean, to so me, I. To yeah, but I, I see the, the Amen break. See, that's the thing is like, it has a name now. But yeah. when I was a kid and I was learning on the drums, it was just like what everyone does to start out learning the drums, right? Exactly. You're absolutely correct. And so, yeah, it really, it really is. So, it, so to me, it's like everybody kind of saying it came from from the sample of those that one band is, is a little bit of an oversimplification. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, yeah, yeah. Of an origin story, this great origin story. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's kind of like what you do. You know. It, it really is. I mean, that that and it is just. I mean, you're right. And and um, I mean, we were already doing that kind of stuff before that sample came along. Is 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 what? Yeah. I mean, that is just like a typical thing. But but, um, but it's cool. <laughs> well, okay. So you you as as you you. You, you can play drums. You know, you you studied. Well, I, yeah, I started out in school. I was a drummer, and I played yes. drums in the jazz band and everything uh, in high school. And so but my heart was kind of kind of went out of it um, yeah. for various reasons, uh, and oh, into cool. melodic percussion. And I I got to be really involved in the uh, mallet percussion sort of pit and auxiliary pit. And when we did halftime shows, I was there doing the marimba and xylophone and all those other things instead on the sidelines instead of marching. So and I preferred work. that too. That was totally. More fun. I hated marching. I, I the marching band. That's where. I used to have a drum set, a Yamaha Stage Custom. I actually had that before I had all my uh, my modular gear and everything, but uh, it just see, you know seemed to take up too much space. I wasn't really as into it as I thought I would be. But it, man, I spent a, a good uh, amount of coin on it though. But uh, yeah, so I, I sold that and got more synthesizers. <laughs> I don't. It's drums are. I, I haven't played my drums in like three years now. Sadly, I think I, I sat in with some people like back in uh, 2019, I think, like in s September, and sat down to play drums. And it was just like just a nice little kind of like blues, kind of country stuff. Um, this girl must have been only 13 years old. Old came up and played uh, harmonica and just just destroyed it just killed it <laughs> i was like wow i just what <laughs> i felt you know like i was playing with somebody who'd been playing harmonica for 50 years sure i was like pretty shocked but then then all of a sudden like they kept saying like they kept joking about uh war pigs and it was like um bartender uh back and she was kind of like one of the owners too but she was like 10 and bar and she you know they kept yelling war pigs and next thing i know like okay we're playing war pigs i'm like what and she sang War Picks. So I had to, like, play War Picks. Did you know how to play it? No. I've <laughs> never played that before. <laughs> and uh, it, it, we, we did okay until I forgot, you know, what happens after the first turnaround. It goes back into just the hi-hat and Ozzy singing his, like, you know, down, you know, that part. And the, I look at the bass player, and I'm like, where, where do we go from here? And he just went back to the beginning. And I went all the way back to the beginning of the song to the down, down, oh, and it was a train wreck. But uh, we, you know, yeah. it's we pulled it back together 
I mean, mm-hmm. it was a train wreck, but we got it back on the rails and, and you know, finished it. <laughs> and nobody yeah. cared. I mean, I mean, it was it was a little, yeah. But you know, everybody actually kind of like you know appreciated it, or at least. They well, did. that's cool. They yeah, that's nice. They did. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember seeing a video of yours, Hayes, uh, a few couple of years ago. I don't know when it was, but uh, it still stands out. I still think about it every once in a while of you in your. Uh, uh, in a storage unit, with the drum set in a storage unit, and yes. you get out there playing it. Yes, that was, <laughs> so. that 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 was before I got in, into the synthesizers. The the, the, second, uh-huh. the second time. Well, that's what I noticed. I was like, wow, this guy can really play. Like, you're really serious about drums and rhythm. It, you yes. really think about rhythm and can really do some things, even hand-eye coordination type wise. It's yeah, cool. yeah, I've, yeah. Um, yeah, I played in New York. I played in L.A. I played in Washington, uh, just outside of Washington D.C. and Alexandria, all over Atlanta, uh, Pittsburgh. Of course, in Nashville, I actually got to play at the Bluebird Cafe, and like drummers don't really play that place. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, was he going to play loud? I'm like, no, <laughs> they're very soft. I promise. <laughs> okay, don't don't hurt our ears. And um, but yeah, I mean, I prefer like I started out as like a punk rock drummer in the '80s, late '80s. Um, I, like I said before, I was in the marching band. I played saxophone, and my senior year, I decided that I, I'd had enough of the marching band, so I quit and I bought a drum set. Worked at Taco Bell and saved up my money, and uh, I was terrible. I was terrible for like many, many years, and maybe about like five or six years in. But at that point, you know, uh, people just let you play with them anyways, because that you know you you discover that drummers are kind of hard to find. So yeah. a lot of times, you know, it's like, it's crazy. It's like the drummers are like, really just, wow, that I'm, I'll never be that good. Or they're just like, I can't believe you're playing with that drummer. They're so bad. You know, like, <laughs> let me, please, you, let me help you, you know. And I, I, I feel bad uh-huh. saying that, of course, you know. But it's like, if you're going to be a drummer, I mean, that's like, you cannot have an unsteady rhythm as a drummer. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. what made me hate the drums. It's not drums. It's drummers. It's everyone else ruining all that music. By having the cymbal going over top of the band the whole time. Uh, yeah, I was not- guilty a lot of that because I didn't know any better. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up because when I was in L.A., I had a, what I call him, a, I had a drum mentor. Uh-huh. He was my image coach, actually. And uh, this guy, Michael Brasic, and he's just like, wow, what a guy from Michigan. One of the toughest as nails, like, scary guys, you know. And he taught me a lot about drums. I mean, he's the one who told me, he's like, you know, I mean, it's like you're yelling, of course, I'm not going to do that. But, like, you know, I'm the drummer. I sit on the throne. And well, don't forget, the keyboard player has a throne, too, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, no, he, he really, he really uh, taught me a lot of things. And if you know who Josh Fries is, you know, that's um, Trent Reznor's drummer for the most part. He does most of the studio sessions. And uh, uh, Mike had a lesson with Josh or something. And Josh, I believe, or he, like, this was through the grapevine kind of thing. And taught us to... Um, I'm left-handed. You have to forgive me, but so with your snare, you know, just hammer it, and the bass drum hammer it. You know, within reason, of course. But the cymbals try to play as light as you can. You know, and when you know when when it comes time to rock out, of course, you know, rock out. But you wait right. as long as you're always like just pumping the snare drum and the bass drum. You know, I mean, yeah. cracking it. Yeah. And the cymbals are low. Then like, you're going to bring the energy, and people are not going to think that you're playing too soft. Because that was a problem. It's like, you know, I didn't want to hurt people's ears, so I would play very soft for the most part, and I wouldn't 
play very loud if the room couldn't handle it. What I mean by mm-hmm. the room couldn't handle it, if it was like, you know, you're just going to be overwhelmed by this. You know, most of the bands that I played in, um, we had soundproofed rooms to handle that kind of stuff, and we would play loud. Unfortunately, you get to the gig and you realize that you didn't practice for that room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, those are the things that those are what, how, the, what, how the pros. That's why that, that's the difference between the pros and the amateurs in, in like in that arena. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Know. And there, I think there's a there's a point in just basic drumming, though, too. Like there's just a lot of really bad drummers out there who don't get that that you you pay attention to the back to the sound in the first place and go like all right space is good you use you use what you're doing and space is good <laughs> you know <laughs> that sort of thing and and think about how you're layering what you're doing a lot of that stuff gets filtered out through the recording process is uh-huh. what's interesting uh drummers like if, if a drummer is really wild like that and it's not called for they'll either get replaced <laughs> or they'll, they'll yeah. have a talking to, or what's more, what's better is you know they'll have a, a realization in the studio, that less truly is more. Uh-huh. That you know like that yeah I want to do these fills but I'm, I'm going to make a mistake, and that that's the big thing like when you do a fill, the most important part is to come back in and and to stay on time, and what I discovered is like you do a fill and if you know if you're counting one two three four and you're back now in the course of the verse or whatever one two. It's that two right there, where it's it's the hardest thing in the world to do a fill and then get that two. The, you can do the one, but you can't do the two. The one, it's like because you're, you're uh-huh. always just stop. Because you're focused on it, yeah. Well, it's because you're, you're you're resting now. You're like, okay, stop. It's like a breather, but no, you, that two's got to come up. So that two actually, you actually have to kind of rush it to make sure it's as a drummer, you know, and then not. Uh-huh. You have to anticipate. Go, anticipate, but yet yet not change the tempo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. I miss it and I don't miss it at the same time. Yeah, it, it's best to just practice, and then when you play a live gig, you don't, you know, you just you just have fun. You don't think about sure. it. Sure, that's all I ever did. I I just practice on my drums. I never actually played live or anything like that. No, so I never had the experience of being with other people and seeing how like you you mellow with everybody else on stage or anything like that. So it must be pretty cool to be doing that and having fun and being with people and making music. So when you get to the end of the night and, and it's, you know, you didn't make too many mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. it feels really good because, um, you were the one that kept the tempo that whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You guys watch Rick Beato? Yeah. Um, a little bit. I don't, I don't think so. Oh yeah. You got to check him out. Um, uh, I've got the Rick Beato book by the way. And you know, what, one of my ideas for January this time around might've been like to actually try to do things through the Rick Beato book to, you know, study theory. I might do that next year. But um, he, he talks about the grid, you know, one of the problems with modern music and why people are getting a little ear fatigued by it, I suppose. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the grid, you know. The grid. And uh, <laughs> everything's slaving to that same tempo constantly. And oh, right. Yeah, totally, totally. One of my favorite videos of his is where he points out the fact that a tempo back then, back in the day, uh, when you're playing in a band, and even the big hits on records and stuff, are not going to stay that same tempo throughout the whole song. They just don't. They just don't. And I'm thinking about doing that, changing subtly, changing my tempos as I switch from one to the next, just a little bit, just drifting it a little bit. Like mid-song. Yeah, like just uh, you know, I've actually on my pyramid here. I've got a master BPM, and I can just, you know, I mean, 
I can even have it so that the sequences are already programmed that go from one sequence to the next if I've put the forethought into doing that. That, that gets mm -hmm. into doll territory at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it does, you know. Um, when, when you have something, I mean, the, the pyramid is a doll in a box, it, with the exception of it doesn't capture audio, so it's, it doesn't do any sampling. But, um, you know, I, I like single-function type kind of boxes. That's, that's just kind of how I roll. Uh, so. A lot of people want one solution fits all, and I can understand uh -huh. why. Because, uh -huh. you know, they don't have all of this, you know. But yeah. it, took, it took me three years to, to, to collect all this. So do you use, like, any software DAWs, or do you, are you mostly just doing hardware? I'm, I'm doing all hardware. Um, it's all hardware, okay. Yeah, I, I, I did DAWs in um, 93, 94, 95. Okay. And then after that, you know, I just played drums. So, of course, when I go into studio, just whatever they use, I didn't really care. A lot of the stuff that I did after, like, uh, going into, in, into the 21st century was, you know, using Pro Tools. And, I mean, man, I would, so, so the key there is that what people don't really, a lot of people don't know is it's like, as a drummer, you know, you don't have a lot of time anymore to just to have a perfect take. You've got to do all this practice beforehand. Like, Neil Peart, Neil Peart would never go into the studio. I mean, he did, like, one take. If he did two takes, it was like, you know, maybe a, a safety take or maybe they're like, yeah, that we want to, you know, sound a little different or something. But he had that stuff memorized. Uh -huh. and, well, um, when time is money, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Totally. You know, okay, for Rush, not so much when they were doing that. For any of those big bands like that, it's you. they've got all the time in the world at some point. You know, they get elevated to their power level and so forth to where they can actually take two months to do an, to record an album. But like us in the studio time, new no, time is way you know, hundred bucks an hour. This is this is why everything has moved to home studios for what it's worth. Sure, totally. So, but where I'm getting at, sorry for being so long winded, is that you know as a drummer when you go in, you, you do a take, every song like you know there's there's one bass drum note you missed. You're just your foot slipped or something. I don't know, you know, and so there you know you're like oh we'll we'll just fix it. We'll just edit it. Just you know. <laughs> just edit it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, but for me, it was always like, okay, if I can just get one perfect song, one perfect, and I've never done it. No, 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 I did it once when I first started playing drums. I don't have this recording anymore. It was like 1992 or 1991. And it's like, it's crazy because, like, I had only been playing drums for six years. But it was just a really simple. And it, I played like Larry Mullen Jr.'s in a way. Larry Mullen Jr.'s meets Neil Peart and just. Real simple Larry Mullen Juniors, but it progressively built up in fills and 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 um, and the backbeat like Neil Peart might do. And like people said, it sounded like a drum machine. And I was like, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I did that. It was like I got called by my bass player, and in the middle of the night, I went over there. It was like one o'clock in the morning, and we just sat down. He had this awesome guitar player in there with me. Said, "Listen, we just do this great song," and it's just like we just threw it down. And I've never been able to play like a, a perfect drum take like that ever again the rest of my life. It's so funny. <laughs> I find that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think about that sometimes. It's just how like to drummers, it's always kind of been about, you know, if you really get serious, it's about being more precise, right? It, and that, then yeah. so now things are a little bit different. Electronic music, it's like, well... We're trying to do the opposite. And, isn't, but isn't I fun? actually really still uh, appreciate my quantizing more than I more than the, the ability to not quantize when I'm doing that. I don't know. I On the circuit with an update, uh, 
at a certain point. They made it so you can do non-quantized recording. But I I have to admit, I I keep doing drums into quantized, fully quantized. Yeah, same uh, here. I think it sounds great. Uh, as long as I, but I like a lot of swing, and so I always dial up the swing to around 60, 58, mm. sometimes even 62. Oh, no. <laughs> That's just me. I, I like, I'm a little funky swing sort of. Like yeah, when I'm, when I'm, oh, I'm go sorry, ahead, go sorry. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, whenever I'm doing a song or something like that, like, uh, I, I always like to have everything in timing. I mean, just for me, it sounds better, I guess. If there's like something just kind of like, slightly out of timing it kind of throws everything off so that's what's kind of nice about having all that ability to edit that and uh, you know retake it or or just program it in a sense to where like everything does sound good and that's you know in that territory but uh as for like extra things like leads and bass and stuff it's not necessary that you know you always have to be on timing you know sometimes like a little mistake is kind of cool in a song. You can hear something slightly off and it's like that little special thing in there. You always remember that's like, that's the little touch you put in there. It's more human, I guess. If yeah. You think. Especially chords. Uh, I've noticed, um, it makes a big difference with a chord to be able to not just go have go, ding, but go. Ding, yeah. You know, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Quant quantization is probably going to screw it up. Yeah, that kid. <laughs> uh, drums, I say quantize them. Yeah. Away. If you don't, if you go off the grid with drums, you kind of, you know, you need to you need to use your ears and say, like, is, does this really sound good? And mm -hmm. if it sounds good to you, then, then you know, that's it's valid, of course. But if you sit back and say to yourself, oh, no, I don't think so, then maybe you can kind of readjust the notes a little bit. Um, I have a tip for you all, though. Uh -huh. Now, it's a little laborious to do this, um, and I'm, you know, don't know exactly which which dolls allow? I'm sure all dolls have this, surely. I, I, I started out on Digital Performer. It was actually it was just called Performer. It wasn't even called Digital Performer back then. And I learned pretty quickly that you could, when you're you know recording MIDI, that you could see all of the MIDI information. And what I would do is I would, um, I would use like an Octopad and it had like a little bass drum trigger and I'd maybe play my bass drum. Or I would just you know use the keyboard too. Uh, finger drumming is perfectly valid. The only difference between finger drumming and what a drummer wants to do is we want to use our feet. That's just, that's it. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and we can. Yeah, you know. except, hey. Yeah. I'm left-handed just like you. Oh, Left-handed drummer right. too. So I had, I, what I did, mm -hmm. since I had to play so many right-handed sets, um, I actually uncrossed my hands. I played uncrossed. Open-handed. Yeah. Yeah, when I play right-handed kits, I play open-handed, definitely. Um, but because it, it's not, hard, your brain can't do this foot with yes. that hand. People <laughs> yeah. might not, not understand. Yeah, it's not really about being right-handed or left-handed. It's about being right-footed or left-footed. Mm -hmm. It's about That's switching your really brain, counts. your brain to the other side of the brain. It's like driving a car, like you're driving a stick shift. And imagine if you were like driving a mirrored car with a stick shift, and all the pedals are all like inversed over here. <laughs> How hard would that be to do? You know, it, it is a bit like the backwards bike if you've seen that on YouTube. Which is a great video. You, that's, you know what I'm talking about, Shirley. It's old by now. It's a, a bike that when you turn it this way, you go the opposite direction. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea is that like a child who yeah. can, can learn how to ride a regular bike, and then they can learn how to ride this bike fairly easily, but an adult, we're going to crash and burn. Sure. It's, it's going to take us a couple years to learn how to ride this bike. Because we, we've, you know, if, you've, you know, if you know how to ride a bike already, because, because your brain has already... 
grooved in literally the balance situation. So you're, you're, you're shifting your balance this way, and you've got to learn how to shift your balance. Like, it's, oh, no. And so, yeah, adults can't do it. It's just, you know, the guy that, that, that started it, it took him two years to learn how to do it. Yeah. If there's a video, check it out. It's really, it's really good. But, um, oh, darn, I was going to forget what I was going to say. But, oh, yeah. Synapses are fun. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, so here's a trick for you. So, if you get like, if you want to do, if you want to do off the grid drumming, the way to do it, I mean, this works. Trust me on this one. And it's kind of cool because you you get back into indie rock kind of feel. If you want to get like you know indie uh-huh. rock and you know, that old kind of garage rock type kind of feel, garage rock exactly, is you get the drums going, and now you have your bass part. And what you do is 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 in your doll. It's a little laborious, but it's worth it. And if you, especially if you're going to use just a small loop, like a, like an eight bar pattern, you just do one eight bar pattern, you're done. Um, you make make sure that all the bass drum notes line up at the same start time, midi midi start time, as the bass guitar. Anywhere where they line up, make sure that they're all on top of each other perfectly in synch- in synchronization. Mm. And that's called the pocket. So if you have a pocket, the rest of the rhythm can just do a lot of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And you get away yeah. with it. It sounds good. Yeah, I of think course, I know what you're you got to experiment. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the key is is to lock the bass guitar with the bass drum and the snare drum. And because if they're if they're not, you know, then that's where it, it you, it's like it's just sloppy. Sure. Yeah. Along those lines, you know what, what what's been making my circuit my Novation circuit songs all this time be, sound really kind of like uh, flat and thin and amateurish or not quite. Uh, good and you know full or anything is the fact that I couldn't put a bass part on there you know just chords and a lead and without a bass part I mean now that I've got the 101 you know I've got the mono station and the 101 I've got enough voices and I'm putting a bass part into my songs it's just like what like that's why I was like it's so much more uh, professional for one and enjoyable wow it adds something that I don't know what it adds you know, and I've never really thought of, I've thought about it, of course, before, but I haven't really thought about like, okay, what would it be like if we just don't use bass for a while? <laughs> and that's interesting you said that because I never I never really figured that out. And um, your music, though, I love your circuit music, by the way, because what it, what it reminds me of, it reminds me of like early 90s, uh, like Sega uh, golf games. <laughs> and just that, that, that lounge kind of music uh-huh. that... It, but it, it's using like new sounds, or like yeah. newer sounds. Yeah, and I'm very nin- psychologically nin- Nintendo inspired. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that way that that's so, kind of um, like you know uh, making not 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 loops for the sake of loops, but the fact, uh, but just having grown up with with all the admiration of how do you make something go on a piece a, a piece of music that technically is a loop, uh, how do you make it palpable for three hours four <laughs> yeah. hours five hours at a time and the kids still like yeah i love this sure so that that's music that's how you are good at music to me in a way it's like that's how i'm as like that's good to me if i can create something that i can listen to for five hours like yeah and maybe. and not get tired of right <laughs> yeah and that's so that's why i think that generative music and like reaching outside of yourself for for not maybe like you came up with it so much or playing it, but that you're looking to randomness and generative things are actually a good thing. Uh, and it's not, it's definitely not shameful at all. 
uh, you know, um, to that's, go that route. It's nice. It's it's nice to have something that morphs and it actually has like its own personality instead of just like this robotic kind of rep- re- uh, repetition. Like I know sometimes I'll get like ear fatigue if I'm listening to one of my songs way too long. Like I'll be working on something for like three hours and it's like, oh my God, I don't like this song anymore. And before yeah. I'm even done, I just want to scrap the whole thing. And it's like, well, and then sometimes I, you know, I play it for people and they're like, wow, that's, that's actually a pretty cool song. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm tired of it, man. It's like, it's, for me, it's like I heard it forever and ever, and it just, I can't get it out of my head now. It's like it's just burned into my brain. Well, that's one of the reasons why I kind of broke away from the doll. And uh, quick aside, if I was a professional mixing engineer, I would be using a doll. You know, let's, let's be very real here. But some of the, what, what I noticed was like you know, I started looking at the things that, you know, what, what the doll affords you. And what the doll affords you are things that you're going to pay for on the other side, one of those being like audio fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're going to sit there and just keep, you know, pinpointing and pinpointing and pinpointing. Um, I probably will get back to using a doll again someday. It's just a, you know, inevitable conclusion in that sense. Because if I'm actually going to re- want to record anything with consistency and any kind of be able to recreate it again that way or, or like even in close to that way, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to need to use a doll. But, um, you know, it's it's... There's so many unfinished tracks when you use the doll. There's so many, like, you, you start amassing this digital footprint of libraries and so forth, and it just starts, you know, piling up and everything. And, you know, on the converse side, I've got this YouTube channel where I've got all these jams piled up, and I can't tell which one is which anymore. And, you know, sure. It's like, sure. But it's, it's what it's forced me to do is it's forced me to, like, spend very little time actually producing a song and then, like, forcing me to just, like, say goodbye to it and just move on. And at this point, if I want to address any of those songs again, and this is what I did in January 2019, was the next to last jam. I don't think people really realize this. Maybe you did. I don't know. I mean, I don't really like, you know, if I did better videos, I probably people would maybe understand more of what I'm doing. But I went back through most of the jams that I did that January, and I, and I, and I took samples of like every one. And then I tried to put those samples all into my Volca sample, and I think I had like another sampler. And, of course, I had to call some because they all wouldn't fit in. And then I, I made a jam using all of my previous jams. Mm-hmm. And it was better than anything that I'd done before that. You see, it, it, to sure. me, you know, like I felt like, wow, I just, where, you know, where did that come from? Yeah, it's it's kind of nice to have that am, like ammunition in a sense. It's like you worked on something in the past, and then you can come back to it and then reuse it or maybe make it better, renew it. And then you can make something even like better like you said out of something that you probably didn't appreciate in the first place so it's kind of nice to have those bits and pieces like uh i actually rediscovered some of my music uh earlier in this year stuff that i did way back in like 2003 and i was like whoa like this stuff is terrible but it's it's kind of nice to see how much i've progressed and how much uh, i've gotten better with my work and to see that I can actually put together a song instead of just making a repetition of things that just make, you know, nonsense, you know, before. But now I can actually put that in a song and limit myself to maybe doing like a three minute song. Before I used to have tracks that were like, uh, you know, just drums for like 12 minutes or maybe like a techno beat or something like that. And uh, nobody would consider even thinking that's even music. But if I go back, I can maybe learn from it, if, if anything. Definitely. And sampling. Sampling, yeah. Sampling is awesome. 
Yeah, that's really cool. That's something I I need to rediscover too is uh, sampling because I I gotten away from that and uh, I have a a nice sampler on my machine MK3 and I I barely even tried it to kind of get into it again. So it's it's kind of nice to actually record things or either sample things and then make a beat out of it. It's it's really cool. I really admire people that do that. There's this one guy, uh, Accurate Beats. I don't know if you heard of him, yes. but he can just take an old record and make a whole new song out of it, and it's really cool. Yep. Yeah, except uh, I'm not sure how like the the copyright works on that, unless it's a certain period of like uh, recording that you can use, or if you have to clear it or something. I'm not it's, sure how it works. I think but... if it's under like one second. Don't of course don't hold me to this, but if it's under a certain amount of time, I don't yeah. think there's any any issue with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. For me, I don't know. It's like I don't like sampling other people's stuff. Sure. Unless it's, excuse me, like um, has meaning. That's not a good way of saying it. So. Like, I love to sample movie quotes, for example. Like, to go through okay. a movie and you just get, like, a lot of interesting quotes. Well, that's that cool. kind of taken out of context. You uh-huh. know, maybe they'll be put back into context. Uh, one, of, one of the favorites one I, did, I, I uh, sampled from uh, a Japanese film, uh, Yo- Yojimbo, by Kira Kurosawa. And, you know, I only know what they're saying because of the subtitles. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, you're making sure that you're getting every bit of what they're really saying in that particular moment in time. And but I love it because I like I love hearing the Japanese language in that in that like over uh, techno music. There's um, it's it's and German German works really well too over like more than English. Uh-huh. But you know but you know a lot of side trance. You mentioned that before. That's I get that I think from a lot of side trance. And uh-huh. um, I I a lot of my music I definitely I either I do one of two things. I either try to make side trance or I just make aleatoric music. And that is, that is a concept that DJ Coherence, who is on, you know, you know DJ Coherence, Mr. Basic? Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of like, it's because of them that him and Dan that I, that I really just got, in, just really inspired online about a lot of stuff. Yeah, Dan has great streams, too. I mean, he's just, his streams are just like, just amazing. The, the, uh, the, the lighting, the, the camera switches and everything. Plus, um, he is a great He's kind of a great, uh, I wouldn't, I, I, I mean, uh, should I hesitate to call him a leader? Anyway, he's got a great uh, community, yes. a leader of, a commu- of, of his community, and he, um, he, has, he has purpose. I, I really, uh, I mean, meaning, what I mean is just, is that he, he's, he's su- supported me just because, uh, um, you know, just... V- He's just always very supportive, and he's always reaching out to people and supporting people that he doesn't know yet, and things like that. And just he's just a very friendly guy who is who is out who is just outreaching to spread all the best things that we like to spread through our our jamming, you know, and and spread jamming as a thing online as well. He's like trying really hard and actually succeeding at getting a lot of people out there, and they're doing synth fest on Twitch and it's restreaming on YouTube on the Gearsplaining channel I think every month now we're do- they're doing synth fest and my thing that I'm that I'm really feeling is that I want to is that I want to start being a part of that but that means long form 2 hour things like you've mm-hmm. that like you're starting to try to do as well Yeah it um you know you you need a a serious tool to help kind of do that and then if you're going to use Cubase that actually could be all that you need to sequence, you know, like, enough to get going. Um, what I'll do is I'll get just, like, a lot of random patterns or just some patterns that I made myself, 
And of course, I, you can't generate random drum patterns. And so luckily I know how to play drums and I can just generate whatever drum patterns I want. And then I'll just try to swap them in and out and just see what happens. The more that, you know, like if, if I knew what the actual patterns were ahead of time, like I had a couple of days to actually get to know them a little bit better, then the jam is inevitably going to be a little bit better. But the happy, <laughs> the Bob Ross moments, the happy little accidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's what I couldn't really find in the doll so much, is it's hard to find happy little accidents. And if you want happy little accidents, you just you know you've got modular set on it. You've got the the sub, the, the uh, is it the subsequent or the sequent thirty seven you have? The oh, uh, mine. Yeah. Yeah, I have a sub thirty seven. I have a three mother thirty twos and uh, a Korg monologue. That's where you find your. Um, yeah. Your Bob Ross, Bob Ross moments right there. Yeah, yeah. No, those things are very inspiring. In fact, uh, I haven't actually sat down and just really had a personal moment with them. Hopefully in the future. I mean, uh, this month has been kind of uh, crazy. I'll I'll be really busy, which unfortunately it'd be kind of nice to do January, but that's another reason I'm, I'm busy. So uh, hopefully in the future, I'll do some more of those kind of things where I maybe do some generative stuff or maybe like uh, I like doing like soundscapes and, and maybe like more kind of like uh, plucky sounds with the 32s and add some sub frequencies or something like that but uh yeah you you can find a lot of inspiration with it though it's really nice just to get personal with the uh the, the equipment and not only that learn how to use it as well because if you don't know how to use it it can be very frustrating just to make something that's you know you can come back to so as long as you have a good preset that you can always use or something that uh sounds nice you can just manipulate it or create a random patch or something like that you know those are the things that are nice about it that you can come back and uh you know like i said happy accident it's kind of cool i i kind of um i like ambient uh generative uh weird stuff stuff that goes on for uh, forever is just like uh, soundscapes and stuff like that i can do that but i also um you know since i've gotten into synths in the last few years i i really and gotten the circuit and things like that i i've really gotten into being able like trying to be able to play house music, mm-hmm. like um, uh, you know, other slower beats, down tempo beats, maybe down tempo house, you know, all sorts of different kinds of electronic music. And so, I was thinking maybe just filling up a device, filling up a, a device like the circuit, and having it all full up, which I just have done, uh, would be a good idea for like a two hour at least thing and i think it could go on for for maybe that long and see i'm thinking the same thing with the 101 the 101 has enough has potential within it enough potential but you have to just you have to come up with that much and it takes time <laughs> yeah it definitely does take time i mean just to learn every piece of equipment i mean you have to dive deep in the menus and figure out how to name each preset if you make a preset or you know what what knob does what function and whatnot. So just to learn the equipment, just the time it takes is, you know, actually, you know, you have to put that effort into it and learn how to do it. And then on yeah. top of that, you got the signal flow. Sure. Maybe MIDI. Um, oh, yeah, MIDI. <laughs> I love MIDI. I've, I'm, I'm midi out over here. You know how many MIDI channels I've got dedicated right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 24? Wouldn't even know. 24? Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, well, did, no, maybe 20. 21. 20, okay. Do you have like a central hub of just MIDI, like a rack or something like that, or do you, or do you actually like uh, sidechain them? So, that's a great question. And it's try, I'm trying to like make it. I don't want to get. I don't want to get too involved. But um, I started out 
with uh, the RetroKits RK004, which is a seven-port MIDI hub. And okay. So awesome. I bought it with Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. And from yeah. Amsterdam, and I didn't think it was ever going to show up. Sure. I, I thought like I thought the Bitcoin transaction was going to be hijacked and, you know, or just, I mean, I didn't think the company was going to rip me off. I mean, I knew that they were a reputable company, but, you know, it's Bitcoin. I'm like, ugh. Man. So, if I, if I would have known how much that was worth now and if I would have bought it like 10 years ago, oh, my God. Hey, I had 20 Bitcoins at one point. And I really? lost nearly every single one of it. Oh. The, you know, you've heard about the Mount Gox hack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to cry over that spilt milk. I didn't, you know, I did okay, and, and I've still got a little left. Very yeah, little Yeah, like a left. tiny, tiny bit. But um, at any rate, so that, that was like my MIDI hub for the longest time, and I, it was real simple. Like, I could just get a couple cents together, and uh, usually you have, like, you know, one of them, the MIDI out, it's the main clock and the main start-stop kind of thing. Or maybe you can actually do some sequencing. Eventually, I got the BeatStep Pro, and when I got that, I was like, you know, should I get this? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I need to get this. I need to get this. And I'll say I love the BeatStep Pro. I still do, and I miss it right now. There's a lot of things about it that I miss. There's still one thing that I can't stand on it, though, and that is you can't change the drum note numbers on the fly, which is just, to me, very critical because, like, that way I go from one drum machine to the next. I need to be able to know what the, what the note numbers are. And the only way to do that is to go into the computer and to use their, you know, interface to change everything. So I've got to take it out, come over to my computer, take, put it back. And, yeah, it's a real pain in the butt. Um, coincidentally, we haven't, you know, people stop talking about MIDI 2.0, if you've noticed. It, it hasn't gone away, and this is one of the things that I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm quite sure MIDI 2.0 is going to solve. Of course, it won't happen with any of my gear because it's not MIDI 2.0 ready or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But for the new stuff, you know, theoretically speaking, if it was like a new BeatStep Pro, it would just say, oh, hey, you're the Vocal Beats. I know, I know who you are. Oh, you're the uh, TR08. Oh, I know cool. who you are, and it would just yeah. automatically, you know, know you want these note numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, man, that would be so great if my pyramid could do that. But um, right now, uh, what I did is, as I started making my own MIDI hubs, when I got into uh, DIY and I was hanging out with uh, a number of different circles, there's a guy. His name is Alistair Bridgewater. He's on Twitch a lot, and mm -hmm. he's the one who kept pushing me. He's like, "Oh yeah, you can do it. Just, just, just make, make that." Uh, it's just nah, you can do it. It's a piece of cake. It's nothing. But are you kidding me? You're how am I going to make a? I'm actually going to read in a MIDI signal and what? And I'm not going to lie, I went through a couple dark months of when I was studying elect electrical engineering and tr doing DIY at first, where it was like it was a painful period. Like I didn't really sleep at night, and and it was just it was it was consuming me. It was it's hard to explain, and it's. I feel for anybody who kind of wants to learn this and actually do it that route, but I think it's the best way to go because this way you, you start to understand really the re what's really going on underneath the hood. And it's built so much better. It just it does. But I, I, when I made the MIDI hubs, I mean, I, you know, barely knew what I was doing circuit-wise. And the challenge, though, I'm telling you, the hardest part of all of this is the mechanical side of things, the mechanical construction. It's, you know, uh, electrical engineers, you know, they're also mechanical engineers on one hand, too. Because at the end of the day, you know, you've got to, like, drill in boxes and put stuff in there and figure it all out. I've got hot glue guns. I've got, you know, all kinds of crazy tools now that I've never had before, before doing this. And uh, so I built four MIDI hubs. There's a video, a really poorly put together video that I have on YouTube showing me uh, making one of them. 
and uh, I'm using them, and they're, they're still working. Sorry for the long-winded story there, but I can't believe that they're actually working. <laughs> now, the crazy thing that I did was I built a power uh, distribution box for my um, Roland Boutiques. It's, it's back here. I can't, I can't drag it out right now, but it's actually powering them. And um, without going into too much information, but it, it, I'm using a, 12, a nice 12-volt power adapter that's 2 amps, rated at 2 amps, I believe. It might, might be 3 amps. I think it's 2 amps going into it, and then I've got six USB hubs that are supplying five volts out of each one. No, I'm using nine volts, sorry. Nine volts, three amps, So and then I've got five volts coming out to six. The whole thing cost me maybe about $10 to put together. What is the price of six Volcas, including the discontinued TR09? Would you really trust powering <laughs> your synthesizers with this? See what I'm saying? Sure kind of yeah. scary and but oh, it, yeah. it works it works it hasn't caught on fire the sucker gets hot so i have to remove the top off off the lid the lid off off of the enclosure and just make sure that it, that it has air and and it's fine okay. but um sorry uh, then i bought another rk 004 midi hub so i have two rko uh rk 004 midi hubs four that i made my, myself that are four port hubs so that's Six plus six uh, plus another 16. Yeah. And then I've also got this little guy right here, which is the RK006. And I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose this thing. It's so tiny. It has, it, it only uses eighth inch jacks, TRS, and it can go like, it can do the polarity switch if it needs to. It's got two MIDI in, and then it's got 10 MIDI out. But they're not just MIDI, they're also CV. Mm -hmm. So it can do MIDI to CV convert, conversion. It can do round robin uh, polyphony in the sense of like I can have like say five mono synths, mm -hmm. and it will like send out like chords to them. That's cool. It's crazy, and it's just this tiny, tiny little, tiny little thing. Um, I used it in my January to just keep it, just to keep a clock on everything because you, it has tap tempo, and. Um, so yeah, I hope that answered that part of the MIDI question. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Then apart from that, the pyramid has two MIDI channels that are you know so each MIDI um, channel has sixteen. I'm sorry, each each MIDI whatever out. I want to call it a bus though, but they're just MIDI outs. You get sixteen channels, so it has thirty-two channels that it can control, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's nice. Yep. And yeah, it is. It took me. It it is daunting. It's actually really hard to just turn all this on and then just to sit down and just to delve in and just start <laughs> yeah. doing something. It really, really, really is. Uh, it was um, Electronic Massacre was the one who challenged me a long time ago. He said, "Why don't you hook up all your synthesizers?" Yeah. I said, "I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get there." Cool. And I finally got there, and I'm like, "Okay, I did it." And I'm like, "Oh, this is this is terrifying." <laughs> yeah, I, I love Electronic Massacre. He's great. He has the best jams. His, um, yeah, he's, he he delved into that um, digit digitact, mm -hmm. and he does a lot of dark techno. I don't know if you if you've heard him audio audio surgeon. I think you would like his stuff. No, I don't think I have. We'll, we'll it's one word: there. electronic massacre on YouTube. Electronic. Okay. He did a hundred days of digitact, I think, didn't it? That's right. Yeah. hundred days. Yeah, and I caught a lot of that to start. That's how you, that's um, how you learn a piece of gear. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn. A, sure. Excuse me. Very inspiring. <laughs> Uh, 
but you said he he egged you on to to put everything together. See, I've always been looking at at sequencers for like three years, looking at sequencers um, to be like, I need a bigger sequencer, so I'm not sequencing with this and that at the same time, and having to press the button at the buttons to my gear at the same time. It's not you know ensure it'll line up because it'll be at the next downbeat that the program change will happen on gear that I have. It's pretty cool that way. But all your sequences in one place is golden. Yeah, that's always nice to do. Uh, right? And so the pyramid is something that I thought, for me even, for a while, I thought for me, it's like, yep, that won the sequencer wars. That's what I'm saving up for. But, um, yeah, so, but I, and I would have, but actually, I don't need something quite that big. I just need a little bit of more sequencing for my um for my modular now and like you said the beatstep pro i'm i ordered the the korg sq64 oh yeah that looks that's really coming cool. out it's mm-hmm. supposed to have shipped around well it, it depends on which store you ask when it was supposed to have shipped whether it was january 6th or some some other time but there's no information from korg except early into 2021 <laughs> I guess okay. still, but it was supposed to be January. <laughs> yeah, Cork, Cork products always get kind of like back ordered for some reason. I know when I bought my monologue, it took me like almost four months to get. Like, I guess the popularity of a lot of Cork products, uh, people really dig it. I guess. <laughs> I, I like Cork. I really do. Yeah. Um, I uh, got the old ER one and the EA one, and I just I think they're great. Um, yeah, my. My top two is uh, Moog and Korg. Those are my two favorites so far. Like any Moog product, pretty much, and then Korg. There was a couple of new ones they came out with, uh, some digital synthesizers. It looks cool. I think it's uh, Operator 6 or something like that. Oh, the Op 6, yes. Yeah, that thing looks pretty cool. Uh, There's also the Twisted Electrons Mega FM, but I would, you know, I like Twisted Electrons. They're more of a, like, smaller kind of boutique company. They're not Korg. You know what I'm saying? Like, Korg has a huge research team, you know, and they got huge facilities and departments. So when they when they design a synthesizer and they do testing on it, you know, they make sure that it meets certain things. And, you know, I, um, I have the AY3, which is um, an interesting little synthesizer. It's the other it's the other thing that's kind of like the, the SID chip, which I, I can't think it was the 6502. Is that what it is? Whatever it is. But, you know, the, the infamous SID chip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the AY3 uses, I'm already forgetting the numbers, AY3 619, whatever it is, um, was another very similar to the SID chip, but it lacked one thing. And, you know, that, that is, I, I learned this. A lot of people don't realize this about the SID chip. What makes the SID chip so special is it had analog filters. Think about that for a second. So everybody's was a little different, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the most important part, really. I mean, you can have digital oscillators all day long. But you run them through like really good, interesting, um, unstable analog filters, and you're going to get a lot of interesting things that happen. Um, oh. So the AY3, however, doesn't have uh, the analog filter, so it is very digital sounding. But it, it's just as beefy as a SID chip, and it's capable of doing a lot of those kind of bit crushing kind of noises as well. But it's a really unruly, wild synthesizer. It is the hardest synthesizer I've ever had to try to figure out how to use. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I don't, it's tiny. It's like this big. And it's just oh, like really? a couple wow. of buttons. 
on the front. I would move my camera, but I don't want to, you know, shake things up or anything. Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can. Think I can give it a shot? Let me do this real quick. Real, there's the there lira. Oh my, I love the lira. But back here, hiding in the corner. Now the wire to the USB cable here for this camera is about to knock my pocket operator off the table. That's the AY3. Yeah, it's got that little grid there. Yeah, which is really hard to use. And uh, perfect circuit. I love them to death, man. They are marketing geniuses. <laughs> they marketed the synthesizer as a um, as a stereo output. Mm -hmm. It does not have a stereo output. <laughs> There's two chips inside of it. One chip gets one output. The other chip gets the other output. Oh, okay. So if you go stereo spread, you're going to get like like different yeah. sounding instruments, hard pan left and right. It's going to sound weird. It's not going to sound good at all. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, like if you don't have a mixer for synthesizer, number one, you have to have a good MIDI controller. You have to have a good mixer to use for a synthesizer like this. It doesn't have an on-off switch. And it gets it gets MIDI note off like events that get stuck sometimes. I don't know if I can demonstrate it real quick. I think this is it. Yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it has that kind of, you know, player one, start your mission, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, if, if I run a sequence on it, I wish I had one set up. And then if I change the MIDI track from it and cause um, a note off event to not hit it. So it, like it has a stuck note, <laughs> it will not. I mean, the pyramid, however, has a, okay. You know about all notes off in MIDI? Yes. So a lot of devices, like if you hit stop twice, it will send an all notes off. Okay. The pyramid oh. has it all oh, notes. We really mean it off. If you hit it three times, it's like it just, and it works. It's the only, huh. it actually works. I don't know what, I don't know what they did. You know, I need to look into that. Um, you can get like a MIDI analyzer and see what the actual messages that are being sent are. Mm -hmm. I don't have one. I don't know. Probably cost $500. I'm not going to get one. I don't know, you know. I never but, knew um, about that. So there's a MIDI panic button in most, in some things? Yes. Okay, yeah. Try hitting stop twice. It may have, it may not. Yeah, I, I noticed. The, the Beast uh, Pro has it, I think. You might, um, there's also shift, shift play, if you know about that mm -hmm. one. A lot of ones like if you're, it will, it will. Um, uh, you got my, I'm going by memory now. It's been so long since I used the B-Step Pro, but it's kind of like it'll restart the pattern is what it does. So you can. What I used to do when I would do uh, what Dan Kushner calls edge sequencing, uh -huh. where you like put the sequence on on the Korg sample, and then you use MIDI just to start and stop it, and then mm -hmm. you can change like you know you can do program and change you know by just changing patterns on it. So what you can do is I could I could used to have like the BeatStep Pro would be going, and then I would stop these different synthesizers. But then when I wanted to get them all going again, I would do Shift Play. So that way I wouldn't have to stop the BeatStep Pro, because and and it would actually send an, an all note start out to everybody again without stopping interrupting the pattern. Sure, uh -huh. I remember I remember this one time I had this problem with this. Uh uh, MIDI notes getting stuck on, and then uh, I had to like uh, go into my. Uh, I have an iConnect MIDI Plus Four. It's like a basically like a little receiver I can plug all my stuff into. But I used to have this problem, maybe because the computer was old. But every time that I would try to uh, sequence something with my keyboard, like sometimes it would just it would stay on a key, and I had to reboot the whole thing in order to get it to go away. I I couldn't actually just you know get it to stop. I had to actually exit the program. I had to turn this thing on and off, and it was just a big frustration. 
but uh, I don't. It might have been a computer problem or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. I remember something like that before. But I have lots of jams where at the end of the jam I'll stop everything, but they'll be in like a stuck note somewhere or yeah. I don't know something. I did something. <laughs> I'm just like uh, master fader volume down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of why hubs, um, uh, MIDI hubs? talk about filtering about that they have midi filtering to fix mistakes uh, about uh, signals crossing or being doubled up between no. I don't, at least I don't, I don't believe so uh what, what i believe what you're talking about is being able to uh filter out midi messages yeah so meaning like filter uh, out midi messages so okay great example um it like when when, when, I, when i use the pyramid um and i have two different uh, MIDI channels here, A and B. I was having B set up to where I, where when I hit play on, on the sequencer, it would send uh, MIDI MIDI start event to any any synthesizer, you know, um, Omni in a sense. So you know, like like the DO5 would start playing, its sequencer would just start playing, and um, and I had it turned off for all of my other stuff. Well, now I would like to have it so MIDI filtering so that the only thing it would turn on would just be the TR-09. There's a right. reason. I'll, I'll explain in a second if you want to know. There's a, there's a method behind my madness for that. But the point that I'm trying to get at is that it's all or none. So right now, in order for me to have this sequencer start the TR-9's sequencer, it's it's going to send MIDI start to all the other Everything. synthesizers too. And they're going to yeah. start mm-hmm. playing too. Mm-hmm. And so what I've had to do is, like, you know, what, what you do is you set a blank, you set pattern number one to be blank and so that way it starts you don't worry about it you just let it play and it's not going to do anything so uh-huh. now when i hit play and i said well hang on now i don't want to do that i don't want to potentially blast hang on a second that's what i'm talking about like that's, that's good yeah that's just like it's not that loud for, to us <laughs> no yeah it's pretty quiet well I, I turned the master volume down to make sure that wasn't yeah. too crazy yeah <laughs> But yeah. So so MIDI filtering, what that would do is that would allow me to filter out all that stuff and only trigger and only target certain synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And that that gets tricky. That gets real tricky. MIDI MIDI merging. That's part of MIDI merging. Yeah. That MIDI that that's is, the is point where I got part. I just gave up. <laughs> it, it's you know it's it's like compression, right? Like yeah. I used I was confused about compression because I wanted to use compression to as a limiter. So what I was wanting to do was compress so I could get louder. Not realizing that, oh well, no, yeah, you do compression, and and then you, then you amplify. Right. It's sort of like this um, assumed that you're going to do that, and nobody so nobody ever talks about it. So in that in that kind of regard, like MIDI merging, it's like wait, well, I mean, it's really not that complicated. It's just simply speaking, if you want to have multiple MIDI ends, they're going to collide. And so what you have to do is you have to have a more sophisticated uh, setup and these boxes usually have like you know sophisticated u- interface that you can access through your computer where you can say like okay anything coming from here send it to that anything coming from there send it to that and mm-hmm. that's a lot of hard work yeah it, when i was messing with some programs too with uh with my um, midi sequencing and stuff like that i had to actually get the uh like a registry cre- like a key uh that would disable midi time stamping or something like that because if i if for some reason that was enabled, that kept giving me those stuck notes or it would give me issues where for some reason, you know, something wouldn't play right or it wouldn't start. Or sometimes, like I said, I had to restart the whole program in order to get to come back. So they did, I guess, uh, native instruments recommended it to me. They said, there's like a little registry key. 
if you have that problem, I guess. And it actually fixed the whole problem. It was just like a disabled key for it or something. Whatever MIDI time stamping really is. I, I really don't even understand it myself. But that, I'm completely clueless about yeah. any of that. Um, yeah. There's a MIDI clock. And that could be considered. So they had something that interfered with the MIDI with the MIDI clock clock because they it could it be. got That's used. What, okay. Then that um, yeah. There's also so, something called world clock that that used to be used, and there's all sorts of other clocking formats that have been used along with PC, I think, in the past. And uh, hey, I don't know, know too much about. It. You want to know what a clock is? It's just uh, a square wave. Yeah. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a square wave. Yeah. With, with, with hopefully, I mean, it, it kind of depends. Like a lot of times, really all you need is like a 10% duty cycle because you just need the spike. Sure. But it's just a square wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I've amazing how simple it, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's crazy. It's, um, you know, when I got into the DIY stuff, um, I was just going to make some cables. I bought some, some a spool of, of audio cable, of TRS mm-hmm. audio cable, and I figured, okay, I'll just make my own cables and, I mean, I, I did that in the 90s some, and it was kind of fun. I put together, like, a little cable tester box, uh, which I no longer have. And I, But I didn't know how it worked. I could not I could not understand, you know. And my teacher wanted me to learn, but I just had this horrible mental block in trying to understand electricity because I could not qualify what voltage and current was. And that's very important, in my opinion. And, and, and a lot of people still don't understand, like, you know, you know, case in point, you know, when do you need current, when do you need voltage? And, of course, one of the things I kept asking was, why is it called a voltage-controlled uh, oscillator or filter or amplifier? It's not called a current-controlled. And um, uh, th- there's a real simple answer to that I've, I've discovered, and I think I can explain it people understand. In a nutshell, you, we've got current and we've got voltage, and we use both. And, and generally speaking, not always, but for the most part, we use voltage for communication. If you think about it, that makes sense, right? With your, with your modular, because you, with your with your voltage control oscillator, you're you know mm-hmm. you're controlling with the amount of voltage. It's kind of a communicating to what the pitch needs to be in that sense. So it's very interesting. We can limit the current within a circuit to very 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 like small, so we're not use, using a lot of power, and heating things up and and cranking up the bill. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really not like we can like deal like really it's 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 insane. Like when I was doing this, like how small the signal gets. How like incredibly small like that are you know even right now what we're hearing is inside the signal it's it's like maybe 200 300 millivolts or uh, yeah uh, point point three volts excuse me yeah roughly less than a volt believe it or not but so voltage you can use to kind of create communication with but when you get to the acoustic world or when you want to capture the acoustic world or you want to do any like you know motors speaker coils that we were talking about before when you want to move a speaker coil that's what current is used for so um. you you know you bring it in like you bring voltage into the into the into the circuit and we have like i don't want to get too too technical here but you get like this high impedance input which means that you're not going to send a lot of current through and we're just going to capture that voltage and do stuff with it and amplify it and then we want to send it out to the speaker now we convert that to current and then that way the actual current is what is actually using to push because it's, it's it's electromagnetism. When I was a kid, and maybe you saw this, like, you know, you'd see, this is not the best example, of course, but, like, I tried this earlier and didn't work, but you get, like, a coil, and I guess mm-hmm. these coils don't work for this. But I was trying to find a way to run some electricity through it, 
course, the first thing I did is I just carefully like attached a, a, a power to both leads, and it immediately you know sucked the power dry because it's a short. I kind of figured that it would, so I just tapped it. And then so I figured, okay, well, I'll get a resistor, like a good power resistor. And I was able to run power through the inductor, but I was hoping to find a way to like actually use it to magnetize and pick up, you know, some some uh, screws or something. Now maybe maybe the screws are aluminum and I need steel. I don't know, but I'll, I'll find a YouTube video and I'll do it sometime. But I mean, you've seen this experiment before, right? Where you mm -hmm. run electricity through a coil and it, and it magnetizes and it picks stuff up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool, but isn't it like a parlor trick? I mean, what do you actually do with that? Yeah, right? yeah, it's exactly. It's not a parlor trick. Yeah. That is life right there. When you when you yeah. understand what's going on right there, that's everything in the world. That's where that's where all the magic lies. And so this is you know this helps you to understand how a speaker works because the current is actually able to push the mag the coil through magnetism. Uh -huh. Because the current is the way it works and it's alternating current. Uh, our our uh, audio signals are alternating current. So what it's doing is it's going back and forth very rapidly through that coil. Now, here's the crazy part is the coil gets really – I love when people talk in this manner. The coil gets really mad. It doesn't like having uh, that the, the, the voltage and the current change on it like that. So it induces its own kickback as a result of it, and that's what actually pushes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, microphones work the same way but in reverse. Yeah, kind of like a reverse speaker <laughs> yeah yeah okay i got the microphones work the same way but in reverse part from speakers yeah okay i get that mm -hmm. yeah like you know we use our headphones <laughs> as microphones <laughs> no but i'm i'm joking i actually i was i was totally following you but yeah it, to me i still don't get speakers now i'm and the thing is it's kind of like how can the membrane be so sensitive in such a way to be so accurate, even when you, especially when you've got ones that are this small for like earbuds. Yeah. Like I've got these uh, dollar uh, earbuds to, I mean, to help here uh, just just for this stream. I've, <laughs> I just realized <laughs> I needed to use two interfaces. Uh, I won't go through it, but yeah. Um, they actually work pretty good, better than a lot of $5 headphones. But anyway, how, so how do you get it sounding so accurate when it's not when it doesn't seem to be an actual membrane moving like it is on a big speaker and well, that and you when you said magnetism and the fact that we're talking about current and that's a physical thing like a current of a river like it's mm -hmm. it, there's actually a force that gets put on and like a pressure too is isn't there like a pressure. voltage pressure right. well it's you apply a voltage and 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 the difference and potential causes a pressure in a sense. It's not. It's not a pressure. It's a difference. It's 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 the same thing as a pressure though in a sense. But it's it's an, that's an analog. So a lot of yeah, this gets mind blowing real yeah. fast. But mm -hmm. um, darn, you kind of lost me for a second there. I wanted to get back to something like like I'm still stuck in like honestly in the 60s and the 70s in terms of my studies, and I'm totally fine with that. You know. So I, I'm not really into miniaturization yet. I do have some S&D components. Uh -huh. But, yeah, in terms of, like, um, how those small speakers work, there are YouTube videos out there you can find. Uh, I was watching some that talk about, like, the, the, the way that the CPUs on smartphones are um, their integrated circuits. Like, they're, mo they're one monolithic integrated circuit and how, like, all the different layers are. It's, it is mind-blowing. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of integrated circuits, by the way. You know, there's, 
the whole argument of discrete versus um, integrated components. I would love to have the conversation sometime, but you know, it's a long, lengthy conversation. Sure. But like, <laughs> uh, I, I think really, like, yeah, that was one of the first things I wanted to do was just take a breadboard, like thus. I'm getting my images wrong here. <laughs> I'm looking at myself in reverse, and I want to say, okay, how do I take a microphone and run my voice through this, and then have it come out on a speaker? Well, the answer is you don't. You know. Instead, what you do is your voice hits the microphone, and the microphone pushes the current through it, and then you get something like, if I can find it over here. Oh, I can't believe I found it. This was, um, this little thing right here, you know what this is? That's a, that's a horrible preamp, it, but that is a preamp. <laughs> okay. That's all, oh, that's wow. all you need for a preamp right there. A transistor and the components to... Uh, bias it essentially and um, so the microphone has the signal and and and, and um, you, you have a small current and think about that for a second yeah it's a small current that's kind of going through very 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 tiny and then that transistor picks it up and here's the here's the best part how amplification works so you've also got like you need a power mm-hmm that transistor right okay so this is nine volts ask yourself this question how is the signal amplified through the battery <laughs> because you you're very close yeah it's the battery that does the amplification that's right yeah. okay so but what happens to the what happens to the original signal that, that your microphone is picking up Good question. <laughs> I'm bad with electronics. No, I've fine. always this wanted is, to figure it out. But that's no, why you're here, Hayes. Yes, that's why yeah. I'm here. It's like, yeah, that's because, so here, here's, here's the base of the transistor, and here's your signal. Let me go this way. Here's your signal coming in. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of gone at that point. It goes to ground once, once everything's done with it. And over here, though, imagine this. this is, if, you, if I had a schematic, this is how schematics are laid out. But you've got your battery. And at the top is like your plus nine, and then down here is ground. I mean, sorry. There we go. So my, my bottom figure is ground, and, and this is nine, nine volts up here. Mm-hmm. And that's your headroom. The input signal is copied and replicated onto a new signal using the, the battery power. Let that sink in for a second. So it's translated. It's replicated. Replicated. Mm-hmm. It's not the original thing. Sure. It it doesn't matter though. See, this is this is the best part. It still it sounds like it, don't it? It yeah, does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works. That's the magic. That's oh, the magic. Yeah. <laughs> That's the magic. But the important important part is that it's it's it is a replica. And get this. So, guess how many transistors? You know, you know. By the time you go through so many different things, like you know, you get replicated. That signal gets replicated over and over and over and over again. But the good news is, is that, you know, the electron, I mean, you can hear it with your own ears. And that's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, yeah, true. Yep. You know, uh, audio engineers, by and large, are not electrical engineers. Oh. Because they spend their, they specialize in audio frequencies. Um, the really good ones, though, 
learn electronics along the way. And more importantly, what I think a lot of people don't really understand is like electrical engineers, I, I could grab as I could grab an electrical engineer and I could teach them mixing and in a month they would be a professional mixing engineer. No problem. Mm-hmm. They would yeah. understand everything. Like sure. but I mean like, oh, you know, they, they know decibels. They understand high pass filters and low pass filters. All of this stuff is all over everything in electronics. It's everywhere. I mean, we use, I mean, it, it's crazy. What was it? I can't remember. Um, there was something, I'll, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but there was like uh, an input for um, like uh, whatever it was, but uh, maybe a keyboard or it wasn't a keyboard, but something like that, like, you know, clacking in an input and then using um, a, a low pass filter on it to prevent stray interference. Uh-huh. I mean, this stuff is just, it's its everywhere is what I've discovered. So like, um, it's, it's, it's pushed me into other realms outside of synthesizers, which is kind of why I got into, into guitar pedals. It, guitar pedals are much simpler circuits than synthesizers. Oh, yeah. They can get really complicated, though, of course. Especially sure. when you get into DSP. Um, but it was just a nice, you know, kind of diversion because I want I want to really start. You know, I want to make synthesizers. I really do. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably like a whole new thing though. Like it's, it's I'm sure they're really complicated working no, with all that circuitry and stuff. No, they're not. But it's no? still a lot of hard work. Yeah, I imagine the, the mechanical construction. Oh my god, building a key bed itself. Sure. Oh wow, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever get to that level. Tell you the truth. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, most people that do circuits don't kind of do that stuff anyways. Like the people that make key beds That's a different thing. It is, but it's all part of the same thing. It's like, you know what I mean? It really is, especially when you get into DIY and with oh, 3D yeah. printing yeah. that's coming out and everything. Um, I don't want to, real quick, and I'll, let, me, let, me, let me, you know, if you ask some questions, by the way, I don't want to, like, if you have any questions about what I just told you, please ask away. But there's uh, somebody that I follow on Twitch. His name is Notes and Volts. He goes by Notes and Volts. His name is Dave. He's up mm-hmm. in Canada. And uh, it's just it's just great to watch him. I've learned so much from watching his channel. He does a lot of uh, Arduino and Teensy stuff. So he'll like you know build like um, synthesizers doing that. And uh, what he's been doing lately is, well, okay, what I need to get into is PCB um, ma- um, manufacturing uh, and and designing my PCBs with a CAD software, and then you can send it into a facility in China and then have your boards printed and sent back to you and just solar away, and you can actually build kits and sell kits to people to put together that way. But first I have to learn CAD. And, um, but what, what Dave figured out, and I kind of think he figured this out on, on, on his own, he's the kind of guy that, that started this, is that you can manufacture the faceplate for like a desktop synthesizer or, or, your mod- or your modules as a PCB. And use this software and the facilities in China to print your faceplate for you. So mm-hmm. you can design all the graphics with the CAD software and, like, have, like, you know, your, your indicators for your knobs all perfectly lined up in everything. And it's a solid piece of, like, you know, that PCB, whatever that material is, I can't think of right now. And it just, it looks, it looks professional. It looks wonderful. Because um, mm-hmm. that's what, really like, I'm trying to sell some pedals right now that I've built. And my issue that I'm having trouble with is the clear coat that I've put on the pedals gets blemished and marred up like mm. when i try to pack it in to ship it off so i mean i'm, I'm trying to like like test to make sure because i don't want to sell somebody a pedal and have it show up to them and it's like not what they saw scratched picture. or something yeah, yeah it's just, 
or or you know it doesn't work excuse me that's sure funny. sure you're gonna have to find out what other people have used uh, yeah instead. it's 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 been hard it's yeah it's probably a slow pro like a slow process huh yeah, just kind of figuring out every little thing. I've been spray painting a lot out in the garage. I've been actually yeah. watching channels on YouTube on how to spray paint. <laughs> yeah. Like you never know. Like, there's always something to learn on YouTube. I mean, that's right. And there's yeah. really it's great channels. It's endless. Well, that's that's great. And I I appreciate you uh you know go, going on and 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 teaching me not only teaching and and telling in a in a pretty simple way in ways that I that I can at least somewhat understand uh and and like kind of spurring me on that way because i've always had a sort of inclination although i don't feel like i have time in my life this is so hobby to me right now this whole all the details of what you do in a studio or what there is what routes you could go but like mm -hmm. from the beginning i've i've i looked at synths and thought all right well if i you know if i can't afford this 5u synthesizers.com system well you know, I look. You know, I looked right away into. All right, well, how can I make one? And then it's just like, well, you start out with either MIDI controllers, making a MIDI controller, because that doesn't in involve much but the UI part, or you, you start out making fuzz pedals uh, or things like that and mm -hmm. go that route. Um, but I already had an idea of like the perfect studio and how I would design it based on like the channels would go like this and like that and would all have knobs here and I'd have the sliders here and so I really feel like you know ideal is like you could have like whatever you want and make it yourself but but it's so hard it takes so much effort and so much time and I I, I really admire uh, anybody who's who's getting who's actually doing it and uh, I think you've got a lot of talent in designing interfaces. I think I think you proved it. Uh -huh. I think Novation should, should send you a check. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you well, designed that one. Was it, yeah. was, it no, was it Novation or yeah, yeah, Novation, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I I actually well, along those lines, yeah, they totally came out with like the just like I I I thought, and and really it, it is because it's what I came up with is not so much my idea as like it really was like the thing that they were like hadn't done yet but but it was like the missing thing it really was and i i bet like everyone out there was kind of like has been waiting for it like for a new circuit that it, a circuit 2 or something like that and they finally did it but I the only difference was the was that i like sliders for a drum machine in in idea right but i don't know if you want to talk about that but like uh, that's a tangent maybe but like that's something I think about a lot. Is just like, uh, all right, when we're playing, it's like mute groups are great. So why not just be okay with mute groups? Except for maybe one, you might go up and down, and why not with a knob? I don't know. Sorry, maybe I'm, I'm rethinking that. Sorry about that. Um, can you repeat that question? Like the my my connection just went weird. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. Sorry. No, I'm just talking about uh, for a drum machine sliders. Like ha like sliders on a drum machine. I kind of like my ideal for a drum machine would be one that had sliders on it. So I'm kind of wondering about TR6S or the new circuit rhythm when it comes out, which won't have sliders like I like my diagram had. Um, but it otherwise you sample into it. It's you know it, 
it's the circuit and I know it very well and it's a really cool way, good sequencer, cool way to work. So it might be a good drum machine. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of thrown into gas confusion again. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, I'm not gassed out for synthesizers right now because I mean, I have no room for anything. <laughs> sure. There's just no room. I mean, I've got more. Are you sure though? Because I've thought that about you. Like, <laughs> no, I've still got the Vol the Volcas down. I mean, um, yeah, the Volcas down here. <laughs> you know where are they going to fit? And I, I've got <laughs> I've got the VC three forty upstairs. Guess who I bought that from? Pure ambient drone. Ah, I got oh, cool. a VC three forty. Yeah, I went to uh -huh. a good home. I like to say. <laughs> yeah, but that oh my gosh. Oh, okay, I'm, I don't I don't mean to be mean. I guarantee you, he played it, made one video, boxed it, and said, "I don't like this thing. Uh, get rid of this thing." And and I I get it I understand where he's coming from I mean that is a one trick pony synthesizer, mm -hmm. and if you and if you're not if you're not if you don't you know, that's what you get, the strike fit, is is far more expressive, than, huh. than the oh yeah far more well yeah, yeah I was just yeah. looking at the strike fit like seriously looking at it because like oh yeah, hey if you can get one for two hundred bucks, that's a deal in my <laughs> I paid four hundred dollars for mine. And that, that was, that was a running run joke with, with, with Dan that I had with Dan Kushner a long time ago was that, like, I would look on Reverb and I would see somebody selling their strike fret for, like, 175 or 180 I'm like, oh, my God. I was just, like, my heart would drop out knowing what I paid for it, you know? Well, people talk a little crap about it, that, yeah, like, well, it's an old that. organ sounds and stuff like that. Um, hey, I could possibly if y'all want i could demonstrate a bug that nobody has demonstrated on the strike fit yet. oh no i've been watching the videos i know <laughs> but yeah oh, you okay, can totally okay. demonstrate that'd be great actually i did i do have the video on my youtube channel but it's unlisted because i didn't i mean i didn't want to really you know and now at this point it's kind of like uh, if i can do it it's going to be a bit of a work but i do want to show you all something as well i think this Ooh, I hate when they do that. Yeah. So here we see the power, uh -huh. 9 to 12 mm -hmm. volts DC, but we don't see the polarity. It's probably okay to, 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 to put in the wrong polarity in this thing. It probably will be okay. I don't want to test that right now necessarily <laughs> on camera and like do something stupid. Oh, no pressure. No, okay, I see <laughs> what I can do here. I can just use the, um, the sampler. So now all I need to do is find a MIDI cable. Yeah. Um, this actually, unfortunately, may be really, really hard for me to do. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe not. You just have to trust me on this. Maybe next time I'll demonstrate it for you if I can get this ready. But, okay, first of all, the StrikeFed is a digital synthesizer. It is an unabashedly digital synthesizer. And I still think it, it, it sounds ethereal to me. It sounds ambiently ethereal. Mm -hmm. Not analog, not digital. It just sounds dreamy and heavenly. That's the way I look yeah. at it. I just like the modulation, just just yeah, how it goes it, back and forth. Uh, you know what? It stands. You, you could stand to use a compressor with this thing if you if you want to go hog wild with it. Because when you do morph from some of the sounds, the the volume level it's kind of very noticeable. Ah, yeah. Be, you know, a little distracting. So the chord bot. Let me go ahead and unplug this thing. The chord bot is is a really hard to use. MIDI controller for what it's worth, but because you know it's got a lot of features in it, and but I love this thing. Um, so what it has is a chord spread, which is this encoder here, and you'll see like you know oh, on cool. the screen I'll show you. So you can change the amount of chord of notes in the chord. 
That's nice. And, and also with our, our arpeggiators. So I started slam like I would hit all my synthesizers as hard as I could, and the strike fet can't handle it. And I thought that like, I thought my strike fet was broken at that point because I did, at one time when I did a, a, a video on YouTube like three years ago or whatever, and I was taking the camera down, and I dropped the camera on top of the strike fet. If I sell the strike fet, you didn't hear that. No, but <laughs> I think all it did was it just hit one of the knobs and it kind of pushed the knob down. In, in, on that potentiometer a little bit more, but I don't think it did any damage. I, I since recently lifted the knob up, and it's kind of back to being nice and fluid feeling. Before it was very tight because that's where the camera landed. So <laughs> shortly after that, I was using the cord bite on it, and I thought that, you know, I mean, you think all kinds of crazy things, you know, when, when something's wrong, and you're like, is this thing broken? A quick aside, every synthesizer I bought when I got it, as soon as and I plugged it in, I thought it was broken. Uh -huh. Pretty much everyone. I was like, oh no, what am I doing? Oh no, is it broken? Let's get this in this back. And then, you know, no, okay, I got this. I was like that with the DFAM. I, 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 thought, I thought it was broken for a week. And, it, and, <laughs> oh, and, 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 the, and one of the, one of the volume was down in a certain way that, no, all of the, all of these were down. I was trying to tweak everything oh. and I didn't look at the line of velocity on okay. this, yep. on the sequencer was all down. I had them all down. Oh, yeah, sometimes oh, oh. volume will like it kind of messes you up like sometimes i'll be messing with my mixer and i'm like man my microphone's not working or my synth isn't working it's just oh it's muted, it's muted. and then you just unmute oh, it <laughs> just now like when, when uh, we came back from the break before the stream audio surgeon remember my microphone wasn't working yeah, yeah. i just I, I had it punched out of, out of the main bus yeah i, I did it, it so i could use the vocoder was all let me real quick where's the vocoder here's the vocoder <laughs> <laughs> I love that thing. That's that's the mini chaos pad from Korg. It's a great little effects device. That's I, I neat. have an embarrassing story too. When I bought the um, the the Volca key, uh, keys, what am I trying to say? Yeah, the Korg Volca keys. I bought that at Corner Music in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, a guy named Russ. Uh, he, he was he was the synthesizer guy there, and I, I talked to him and you know went in and it was like he kind of helped me understand a few things because when I was trained in the '90s, when I went through college and learned this stuff in the '90s. We were told that all that crazy modular analog stuff was a thing of the past. And this was mm -hmm. just before, this, we didn't even have VSTs weren't even out yet. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you, people have got to put themselves in the 90s to realize how dark of a digital age that it was and why they sold all their analog synthesizers back then. Because we, we really thought that that was a thing of the past and it was... You know, it was unstable technology. We'll just put it to that, that way. But, okay, whatever. So, like, but I, I'm new to analog. I'm new to subtractive synthesis. You know, I, I, was, I was trained on the Roland D70, which is that weird LA synthesis. It's kind of a form of additive synthesis, which is subtractive plus sampling. That's all it is. Um, mm -hmm. So I buy the, I buy the Vol Volca Keys, and I live, like, 40 miles away from Nashville. So before I got in my car and drove back home, popped it out you know got the batteries in there and wanted to test it out and make sure it's working and i'm like it's not working turn the volume up it's not working what's going on so like i take it back inside to russ and he just looks at me he's just like you got the filter choked yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh okay oh it's oh, that's what that does <laughs> yeah it's always little things like that it's just it, it'll freak you out i mean especially since these pieces of equipment are not cheap you know and spending your money on something like that and it's like oh man it doesn't work or you know that was 150 160 
that's kind of cheap, but I, was, okay. I didn't have a job at the time. Yeah, that could that could also be yeah, yeah. one of the issues. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that impacted um, uh, Noir Blanc. You know, I watched his video on, uh, he did like the keys versus the FM. And I had no idea what the keys was, really. I just thought the analog was like, I, I didn't understand. So I thought that the keys had presets, like the Volca. Because I already had the Volca FM. So I said, oh. okay, I got the digital yeah. one. I want to get the analog version of this. I'm like, where are the presets? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that was, I was totally, that was, a, that was a, a brand new thing to me. And that was just what, 2017, I think. Yeah, so the Korg, uh, the FM, that would work great as a sound module then, huh? It does. I'll, the, the, the FM is great because its downfall is it's only four-note polyphony, but, you know, if you're doing uh, techno, that kind of yeah. stuff, and really, you know, you, if you've got some serious reverb on it, four notes is enough, I think. With the right re- well, I yeah, I do four notes. I I can't think of how many times I do five note chords in particular, and really have to do that. Know. Uh, you know, with the um, the chord bot, I've, I mean, I've I've stacked chords on top of chords. That's but I cool. never. I mm-hmm. don't know theory like that at all. I never in a million. It's like cheating to the nth degree. Uh huh. So it's like you know uh, that's kind of cool. That's like Rick Beato stuff. But like again, I mean, the key is is like okay, you're here. Now where do you go? And that's the kind of songwriting that I would eventually like to get into. I mean, I listen to a lot of classical, a lot of jazz for what it's worth. You know, I mean, I'm way into techno and whatnot, but, man, I, I love classical and jazz. So, you know, I really like to pull all, all of that in. But I got off the beaten path there. Sorry. No, I do, too. I, I uh, A lot, yeah. I'm, I'm a jazz guy. I, I can't play jazz. Man, oh, man. That was like you know, drums as a drummer. Uh, I said, I cannot play jazz. I mean, I, I'm still trying, you know. but it's like, I don't know. Wow. I feel like... I feel like deep in my heart, I feel like um, music, true music is improvisation. Music is improvisation. Everything else is a copy of music. Yeah, you're right. I don't have a problem with that, but you're absolutely <laughs> correct. I mean, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, um, it, if you want to do something new, and that's how you do it. If you just want to entertain people, it's okay to just copy someone else. That's the way I look at it. We need yeah. both, you know. We need inter- <laughs> we need trailblazers and innovators, and we also need just you know. I don't know how to say it, you know, just people who just want to entertain people. Sure. All right. Well, well we've been going two two hours and twelve minutes. Yeah, it's I, been I think a while. <laughs> that's a good that's a good amount of time. Um, yeah. uh, my family is going to be. Uh, I'm I'm not going to be cooking dinner tonight. We're gonna we're gonna take out some really good Mexican food. So uh, nice. Looking forward nice. to that. Getting hungry. <laughs> so yeah. So let's definitely. uh. So we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up and and um, I don't have anything on the description right now, but that's what I'm gonna go ahead and do afterwards. I'm gonna e- I'm gonna edit and put it in the description for later. So come back tomorrow or the next day for uh. For hazes or audio surgeons info <laughs> from here <laughs> and sure. it'll definitely be on there but otherwise so just uh let us know where uh where we could maybe get a hold of you or find out what's what's going on with you what should we look at Hayes? well i'm mostly on youtube right here uh, under uh-huh. Hayes anderson with a z and uh and i'll get that in the description uh, I am trying to do a lot more on Twitch. I'm not necessarily transitioning from YouTube to Twitch. Um, 
but probably what I'll try to do is like Twitch doesn't preserve your videos what what you record they delete them after about a month or so yeah mm-hmm. so I usually upload them over to YouTube and, and I don't expect people to support the videos that I upload from Twitch over to YouTube if you want to listen to them great a lot of my music is designed that if you're like at work at an office or something and you're programming or I don't know doing something it maybe it's the kind of high driving type kind of thing that with the background that will just not be too distracting for you or what I like to use it for myself is when I'm taking road trips uh, helps keep me awake kind of thing and that's why I like to listen to side trance on the road cool yeah and uh, but that's those are the pretty much the two places that I'm at uh, I do have some stuff on on, on Libri and BitChute, but so far I am just not I mean I want to support those those uh, platforms mm-hmm. but it's you know until they until they get their like consistency of like non-buffering issues the buffering on both of those platforms is really bad <laughs> okay yeah. i haven't heard of those but yeah <laughs> so that, that's, that's. there's a lot of new there's an, another one i can't think of right now that um is another um like it's a twitch alternative i would say and it's out of china but uh you i mean there's going to be huh. a lot of these they're going to come and go and yeah a lot of sure. people haven't heard of of this stream yard uh it's only been around right. two years i'm brand new to yeah. this as well it's really time. nice yeah, yeah. and uh <sighs> you know I, I'd cool. say try to branch out and, and, and touch them all, and then like you know, yeah. whichever one rises, make sure that you're part of it. Sure. Yeah, be a part and, of it. And also podcasting too. I do like these uh, podcasts. I, I upload them to SoundCloud, and then you can get them from Apple or you can get them on Spotify. Google actually, I think, stopped doing their service, but yeah, it's kind of nice to just uh, do a show, and you can do like an audio format too as well. It's kind of cool. That's really yeah, cool. and I linked your your pod cast audio surgeon on the last one i don't know if there's mm-hmm. is there anything else that i should i should link in the description uh i do have this website uh i think uh, did i give you a link for that i have a new link for it there's, I, I, uh, I didn't get it from you i'll I send it to you that. yeah I'll okay thank you. you that would be awesome yeah hey, do you mind if i play us out <laughs> not at all that's great <laughs> all right so thanks everybody for coming Thank you, everybody, for showing up to the Modulator Base Show with our special guest, Hayes Anderson. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next Saturday. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, see you guys. Bye-bye, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you so much for showing up. Uh, we really appreciate all your guys' support. Uh, we definitely want you to go out and check out the Modulator Base Show on Mr. Basics channel. I'm going to link that in, into the description of this podcast. You can also now, if you don't know this already, on SoundCloud on all of my Life in Space podcasts with Modulator Bay, there's a link right next to it if you want to actually watch the show on Mr. Basics channel. So go ahead and watch the channel on, on his uh, YouTube channel as well. So uh, if you do enjoy the Life in Space podcast, go there and check it out. Uh, Hayes Anderson, our special guest, we want you to go ahead and check out his stuff. I'll link that in the description as well. So uh, Hayes Anderson has an awesome YouTube channel where he does, uh, actually right now, a lot of January videos. So go and check out all of his cool jams. I do know that Mr. Basic is also releasing some music on Bandcamp. So go to Bandcamp.com and check out his music on there as well. But again, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we really appreciate you here at the Life in Space Podcast. Podcast.